Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Mr. Vice President, I'm going off script again, I know, but I just want to personally thank you. We've been through some stuff. We've gone through some, some of the most complex military operations this country's ever conducted, and your steady hand and your leadership during those was a great source of strength for me. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your selfless service. Thank you for commitment. Thank you for being a mentor to me, Mr. Vice President. It's called the swamp. And you know what happened? And you know what I did? A big favor. I caught the swamp. I caught them all. Let's see what happens. Nobody else could have done that but me. I caught all of this corruption that was going on, and nobody else could have done it. years we gather on these steps to carry out the orderly and peaceful transfer of power. Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning, because today we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. This is a president of the United States who is a danger to the Republic. America first. He knows he's an illegitimate president. The oath of office I take today is an oath of allegiance to all Americans. The great Trump recovery. America will never be a socialist country. I will fight for you with every breath in my body. Russia, Russian pro-Russian, Russian, Russia, Russian, 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 Russians, Russian, Russia, Russia, Russia. And I will never, ever let you down. A dangerous virus is spreading rapidly in China, and U.S. officials are very worried that it could come here. This is really the worst attack we've ever had. This is worse than Pearl Harbor. This is worse than the World Trade Center. There's never been an attack like this. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. What they're doing is using COVID to steal an election. Together, we will make America strong again. You know what it's about? Fraud. Fake. Ballot. We will make America wealthy again. 
They are trying to steal the election. Now, under the leadership of President Trump, we are fully realizing President Kennedy's prescient view of special operations forces. We will make America proud again. And watch, please, those mail-in ballots. We will make America safe again. And in millions and millions of ballots, their vote is under what they thought they needed. They're dumping more ballots in there, okay? And yes, together, we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you. If we are right about the fraud, Joe Biden can't be president. Congress, the chair declares the joint session dissolved. And God bless America. Here's the moment you've all been waiting for. Here is devolution. 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 With a tell patriot. The best is yet to come. Congrats on this. I like this show. The Power Hour. That's got a good sound yeah, to it. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Devolution Power Hour. Hope you guys have had a great week since last Wednesday. How are you two doing? Doing well. Pretty good. Well and pretty good. You know, on Saturdays, I normally get I'm living my best life and times have never been better and stuff like that. So I'm sorry Patrick's to hear you guys are not doing ass, that well. So we can't all be Patrick Gunnels. Yeah, that's true. A and verbose Chris, and um, talented linguist, but also a kiss ass. <laughs> so I I just finished doing a nine part series on the Her Report and I slept three hours last night hmm. and Formula One is back. <laughs> and they and um my wife is also back so she can have the children and the puppies and i can just watch formula one as soon as this show is done soon is as soon as soon as this episode is over i'm on vacation for how long like how long is till for the, until the sun comes up until the <laughs> sun comes season. up <laughs> yeah right for nine months i will be gone <laughs> no no probably more like nine hours <laughs> So it's a race or what today? No, yeah. no. Formula One testing began last night at 2 a.m. Uh, this guy so would be like the baseball equivalent of watching spring training catchers warm ups. Yeah, well, dude, Formula One test. The te testing oh. is like one of my favorite times of the whole year because you don't know what the cars are going to look like. You don't know what innovations they've come up Probably with. Probably F1 cars. Um, and so they Probably they're testing in Bahrain and they they drive hundreds of laps today, tomorrow and the day after. And only one car from one team is allowed at a time. So the drivers take turns. There'll be one driver in the morning, a different driver in the evening. And they put uh, all sorts of, it's called Flovis paint. It's a, uh, it's a luminescent, um, really like thin paint that they put on different elements of the car. And then as the car drives around, the wind moves that paint across the car and you can see what the air is actually doing to the car. And That's then they, what they try have to do to me when I jog. Actually, is they put that uh, paint on me because otherwise I can't see. You're literally watching paint dry. No, you don't watch it dry. You watch the way it moves. Oh, okay. You watch the way it moves. Um, so, like, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be looking at hundreds of photos of these cars and analyzing every little <laughs> bit of the the features on them. They have all sorts of testing 
uh, equipment they put on the cars that measure the wind, the airflow across the car. And dude, I love See, it. We Testing make fun of them, but we are all mentally ill in completely different ways. <laughs> in terms of dude, it's one of the most nerdy things you could on. ever do is watch yeah. Formula One testing. My brother used to used to be into like sabermetrics and baseball. He'd be looking. I love at sabermetrics. Like launch yes. a, launch angles and stuff like that. Yes, yes, sabermetrics is awesome. <laughs> sabermetrics is awesome. It is, dude. Like the the traditional like baseball people who hate it, they don't know what they're missing. Maybe you out wouldn't have lost those teeth if you were into sabermetrics, John. No, I probably would have lost them anyway. <laughs> that was my that was my poor hand eye coordination at the time. Um, no, Moneyball. It's a good movie. Have you guys done Moneyball yet? On... No, we haven't. We're doing uh actually we're doing a really big movie next week. It's Willy Wonka. Barbie. Twenty twenty three's Barbie. So I'm telling you, chat, watch it. I I'm going to forward the argument. Chris looked like he died as I suggested it when I picked it for next week. Um, but I will forward the argument that it is accidentally <clears throat> a super based modern masculine movie masquerading as fourth wave feminism it's gone so feminist that it actually enforces the patriarchy wow that's nuts i actually did watch i have been watching um wonka because of what you said on uh what's the show you do tomorrow um cultural heretics <laughs> yeah not story hour but cultural heretics you said something about that and yeah that actually wasn't a bad movie either yeah i picked i i, I wanted to let people know like that wasn't an incredible movie or anything, but I was like, oh, it's it's something that I feel like you could put on around your family and not have them be inundated with communist propaganda. Yeah, my kids <laughs> love it. I've been so. listening to nothing but the soundtrack of that That's for like good. four days now. Um, yeah. So I let Kyle talk about F1. I will let you talk about Dune for the same amount of time. If you would like, otherwise... I'll be can... brief. I'll be brief. What, Dune, Dune Part 2 is coming out next week. I'm excited. The, the review embargo lifted today. Looks like we're not getting subversion, communist Marxist subversion in it. Everybody's calling it the new Empire Strikes Back, except people who are adults understand that Star Wars actually shamelessly ripped off Dune in the first place. So this is the Star Wars we always wanted, and I'm looking forward to it. So. Okay, that was actually brief. That was the first yep. time you said you're going to do something briefly and actually held to it. Man, I'm proud of you. My favorite thing about Dune. Oh, and I is the fact soon. that in the far future, the fate of the kingdom still comes down to a knife fight, and that's the way it should be. Hope nobody kept it in the movie. What's the saying? Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, in the Dune universe, guns are obsolete because photon shields have become so powerful that if you mm. hit anybody with a projectile, the projectile actually bounces back and kills you. So you say technology has a projectile. Pro pro you said projectile and then projectile. Oh, great. But okay. I think what it's did kind you of send, an interesting Kyle? base of technology where the, the, the more advanced technology gets, eventually we all go all the way back to fighting with knives. Okay, Kyle sent me the paint that he watches dry and we're going to check it out. Not dry. You watch it move to see the wind patterns. Yes. So this paint was applied much further up forward of the vehicle. This is the back of the vehicle. This paint was see that that's that luminescent green paint that was applied much further up the vehicle. They drew, they do several laps of the track and then 
they bring it in and they take high res photographs of this paint and where it moved to and how much of and the angle that it moved and all this stuff. And it tells them where the air was flowing, which tells them where they need to adjust their uh, either the wing or the side pods or whatever to get the paint to flow where they want it to go, which means the wind, the air flows where they need it to go. See, air, air on an F1 car needs to attach to the car. And when it attaches to the, the car, it causes the car to suck down to the road, which gives it more, it's more downforce, which means it's more stable, it's attached to the road, which means you can go faster through the turns. Wow. That's stuff, why they man. ripped up that manhole in Vegas you were telling us about. I, I remembered. Correct. I'm riveted. Okay, we're going to change the subject now. So we have a real show to talk about. We, um, we're going to talk about some Trump VP stuff because he had some comments yesterday. We're going to make fun of Benny Johnson and how he framed it. We are going to <laughs> then get into... That should just be a segment now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. We could have a show where all we do is make fun of Con Inc. And yeah. that we would never, ever run out of content. Um, we are going to have a little further discussion on Pence because... It's interesting to see how the media is framing that Pence and Trump are like enemies and pushing pushing opposite platforms. I think you'll be surprised to see that that is not the case. And that's going to lead us into a discussion on what populism is and Trump and how he uses it. Um, there's a Biden executive order and it has to do with some cybersecurity stuff. And there's this weird pattern I'm noticing and it has to do with some of the CISA stuff from last Saturday we discussed about CISA and they're they're fully deep state in in my opinion and Biden's basically injecting them everywhere there's another chips act stuff going on from Biden and uh you know it's basically Trump Trump's moves and then we could get into Gaza stuff if we have time there's like four other subjects we talked about that yeah. we could get into if we have time but we'll see but let's first, um, we'll get to our first couple sponsors. And actually, you know what, Kyle, we'll probably give you the floor for like briefly if there's anything urgent you want to update us on with document stuff like Trump's cases. Okay. But right now? Or, no, or do you want to do, add do sponsors first. Okay. Okay. So let's start with, and we're going to do things a little differently now so I can keep an eye on you too while I'm doing the ads. We're going to bring it on the screen while I do this. I like this. That's where I get most Bernie of my Brit. opping done. I know. That's why I'm doing it. Field yeah, of I Greens. I usually twirl my mustache while he reads the ads. <laughs> Field of Greens is the healthiest thing that I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great, and I like the wildberry flavor so much that I'm actually out of it right now. It's uh, it's seriously one of my best habits that I have. I do it usually right before the show because um, it gives me a little boost to get through it. There is a little caffeine in it. If I don't have a show, I'll do it in the morning. But you can get more energy. You can sleep better throughout the night. You have healthier hair, skin. It helps with your digestion, makes your stomach feel better, and you just feel better and healthier overall. Field of Greens is radically different than most fruit and veggie shakes. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support your heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy, and you should too. They've given you 100% money back if you don't like the product. You can get you 15% off your first order and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use promo code J-O-N. That is J-O-N at fieldofgreens.com. And now we also got a new sponsor. I'm very excited about this. Have you guys gotten your Loaded Gun Coffee yet? Yes, but I need to get a grinder. grinder? Oh, man. That was the first thing I did when I saw it because yeah. I got the whole bean stuff. And I'm obsessed. 
I actually I, I love this stuff. What do you mean amateurs? I was, I was just now got store, a, like a you just now started grinding your coffee. I'm okay. proud of you. I should. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm proud of you guys <laughs> for discovering that buying whole bean and grinding right before you brew is the best way. That to me. I'm proud of you. <laughs> um. Anyway, let me. Before I was so rudely interrupted, I will start this video over. Um, wake up to the bold flavors of Loaded Gun Coffee, where passion, precision, and patriotism infuse every sip. As a veteran-owned business, they ensure each cup is steeped in pride and unwavering in their commitment. Our roasters handpick the finest coffee beans from around the world, and they've mastered unique brewing methods. The skilled farmers cultivate the coffee to embody the essence of duty and honor in every meticulously crafted blend. It's more than just coffee. It's a family's enduring commitment to freedom. With military veterans tracing their legacy back to the Civil War, including Purple Heart recipients, Loaded Gun Coffee is a brute testament of pride and honor. They're dedicated to preserving the integrity and strength of our beloved nation that they prou proudly stand as fierce advocates for, especially the secure border here in America. It's, and we stay loaded. Stay loaded, Badlanders, with Loaded Gun Coffee. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash loaded under promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your purchase. Yeah, it's a veteran-owned company. They, the, the, they're great people. Their coffee is amazing. They work directly with the farmers. All around fantastic. I love this stuff. I can't remember the flavor I got. It's like a almond... Um, oh, shoot. I should have brought it down here. It's so good, though. It's so good. It's changed my relationship with my coffee. Good morning. <laughs> God, I can't believe you didn't... Did you not request any? 11 p.m. I haven't gotten any. Did you request it? I don't think I did. I think I missed pay it. Pay attention wow. to the. I'm sorry. The advertising chat, man. Ask Jessica, man. She'll hook you up. Whatever. She also negged me for not having a grinder. She's Are like, you using a drip machine or French press? Drip machine. Using like the <sighs> coffee maker brand or what? Look at this thing? guy. Like uh, gosh, guys, mustache. we got. I got you know, it's because I care about you that I want you to join me in my coffee snobbery. <laughs> French press. You need to go out and buy a metal, not a plastic, French press. I ain't doing that. You need a French press. It is the best way to brew coffee. Or you're going to do those pour people over. That I don't like imagine pour you doing it over the thingy. That that pour works too, coffee. but yeah, that works too. But I prefer um, a French press. A French press will make it like um, it'll be a little bit thicker. You'll get more oils out of the beans, which means you get more of the nutritious elements of the beans. You buy what you do. Okay, it's real easy. We don't, go out and we go out and buy one of those pots that you know, like uh, boils water. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's it's talk about this after it, the show. We have actual things to talk about. We don't need to. This is important on. stuff. This is your daily life. Right People came here to watch <laughs> the Power Hour, not how to brew. Few coffee. things are more important than coffee. I do have some French presses in the closet somewhere. They'll bring them out. Okay, glad glad we had that discussion, guys. Okay, we're gonna I'm gonna play this video. Um, if you guys left a boost last week, we will read it here at the end of the show. But this is your opportunity. If you want to support us, you can do so by giving us a Badlands boost or a Rumble rant. Um, we'll read them at the end. Also, I'm asking a real favor from you guys this week. I want to do like a test run. A lot of people watch us on Roku TVs. I know you can hit the like button on there now. I'm hoping you could test it out, see if you can do it, and if you can't. Do it from your phone instead. I want to see how many likes we can actually get. This is, I want to actually test it out and see what we can get to. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up right now if you haven't yet. Do it on your TV, get off your computer, whatever. Do it where you can do it. And uh, 
we'd really appreciate it. But now listen to this video. What qualities are you looking for in your vice presidential pick? Well, always the first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be... Someone who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that. The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Well, He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, are, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Are, are, are they all on your short list? And when can you when can we expect that you will so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact. It's whoever the president is. It just seems uh, you would like to get somebody that could help you from the voter standpoint. And honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. And I always say I want people with common sense. OK, so just to point this out, well, actually, what? let's let's go to Benny's feed real quick. Okay, let's get let's get the true temperature hey, of hey, Connick. I got I got to say I agree that Vivek made a big splash because he's a swamp creature and he lives in a swamp. So he created a big splash when he suddenly emerged from the swamp and tried to pretend like he wasn't a swamp creature. I just want you I guys to notice that. how many times Vivek is featured on Benny's feed, okay? I'm going to have to scroll a while here oh. to get to the post that was yesterday at some point um and how I mean, he when framed... you pay to be featured on someone's twitter feed you get featured i don't know i don't know if, what he's being paid in because it's a little obsessive okay right here so this is how benny johnson framed it trump confirms vivek is on his vi or vp shortlist yeah all those people are good they're all solid more accurate way to frame this is laura listed a bunch of names some who are were previously running against Trump, some who are endorsing him now, and Trump said, yeah, they're all good people. Like Trump said, people who endorse him are good people. They happen to be on like He, <laughs> he should just, have said very wait. fine people, <laughs> yeah. just to make it extra. <laughs> the framing of this is so stupid. I want to get back to the part again where she lists all these names, and he basically like brushes it off. He's like, yeah, I mean, they're all good people, yeah. And then he goes on to the, to the next subject. And just listen to this one part one more time. Various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim, Byron Donald. Yeah. And a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, are, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Are, are, are they all on your short list? And when can you when can we expect that you will so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that. So he says that they are like he just he answered the question she presented. But in my opinion, the way he answered this and by immediately moving on to the one thing I've noticed is nobody gives a shit about who the VP actually is. It doesn't impact <laughs> right. the election. That tells Despite me that none of the people, people she listed, none yeah. of those people she listed, DeSantis, Gabbard, Vivek, and Noam. None of them are it. Nope. And I, I thought it was huge. Like the fact that he lists said that. What it turns out, nobody actually cares. It doesn't impact the race. That me to me tells me it's somebody either A, people aren't thinking about, or B, people might not even like, might not be happy yep. about. 
But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter because you're going to vote for Trump because he's the solution. He's the answer. To the, he's the answer to the question of whether it should be Trump or Biden or whatever. And so, yeah, I just want to get your your take on this, and then I want to read an article here. So go ahead. I mean, my my nana is just that. Even if it is one of those people, which I think is possible, I don't think it's likely. Um, it's it feels like Trump's sort of doing the signal over noise thing there, where like you said, he's brushing it off. But what's kind of funny about this is I think he's simult. I think what it's doing, like that whole Ingraham angle, uh, which is no pun intended, is he. <laughs> didn't he uh, that I, I literally did that by accident and then hated myself as the words were leaving my mouth. <laughs> I meant like the con ink angle, but I just used her name. Uh, yeah, so she programmed me, I guess. But the whole angle that those people are trying to forward is it's like they're making this big pageantry drama out of it, right? Like who's going to be the VP and obviously what we think about some of those names. Um, we might be wrong about, but we don't really have a high opinion on a lot of those names that were listed there. But ironically, it's even if it is, even if the intent is negative and swampy of them to sort of keep bringing those names up and associating with them with Trump, I always say you can find these white pills even in the black pill of conning slimery where the conversation is Trump as the de facto president, you know, Trump as the de facto nominee. What about Nikki Haley? What about what about this race that's going on? What about that? Uh, he's going to have to go up against big bad Biden and the Democrat machine. It's like the conning side of the aisle has at least started to understand and modify their language to who is going to be the slime ball that we can attach to the inevitable Trump campaign or the Trump presidency rather than who's going to take his place in that spot, which is a change from about six months ago. When six months ago, they're focusing on these debates that we would often forget were even happening when we were getting ready for the show on Wednesday night. Okay. Um, I think the VP talk is, is fun. Um, Trump did seem a little bit annoyed right there, just a little bit. I totally agree with you that he shut down that suggestion list, that suggested list of possibilities and basically is telling you that none of those people are going to be VP, but at the same time was like, yeah, they're solid. So I mean, you <laughs> have, it was one of those, like, you're not going to talk shit about the people. Yeah. It's yeah. like one of those times where you have to listen to Trump a bit carefully because he said two things there. Um, and people's own biases will lead them to choose one over the other. You know, they'll hear what they want to hear. Um, none of those people will be the VP. And I think the, the more I see people like Vivek being pushed, and a couple others, the more I think he works for the swamp and the swamp is trying to get Trump to choose him because the swamp wants somebody to be in Trump admin V2. They want their swampy people in there. And Vivek is their choice to get in there. And Trump is pretending like he's going to entertain that notion, uh, but it ain't going to happen. Um, I, I sincerely believe that it's either going to be Pence or Pompeo, who's put on a little bit of weight. He's going back to chubby Kansas again, so we can start applying more trust. The, tr the amount of trust Drawing we can place in Kansas, in. yes, yeah. the amount of trust we can place in, in Kansas is directly proportional to his girth, you know, and and, and how how much how much uh you know bojangles and whatnot he's he's taken. Don't y'all don't y'all's minds no no stop that. Um, I do like O'Brien more and more after uh, John John suggested him a while back when we talked about this. I do like the idea of O'Brien more and more and more. 
seeing interviews with him, he does come off very, very polished and uh, and just affable. Um, I also like Flynn for that role. I also like Ben Carson. Now, I am thinking a little bit less that it's going to be Ben Carson. I'm kind of leaning away from it, but um, I like it. But if I could choose anybody in the whole world besides Pence, I would choose Rick Grinnell. And um, I would love I would I just think that that would be fantastic. Um, yeah. I do love that Trump said as a qualifier of who's going to be VP, it has to be somebody who could take his spot, which tell, which is that. what I have been saying this whole time in this VP discussion that we've had a few times on these shows, that whoever Trump chooses as VP is going to be who he is nominating to carry on America first going into the future. Um, so it's, it's a very important pick in the, and it doesn't matter in the sense that it's not going to earn him any more votes this election cycle or lose him any votes, but it does matter as far as who picks up the torch going forward. And in my opinion, the, the list I just gave you, there's a, there's a lot of attributes that those, those men bring to the table, uh, that would fit an America first agenda going forward. Um, yep. so you're, you're, you're spot on. I agree with you on much all that um yeah oh brian i, I love like i'm liking it. that more and more and more grinnell would be great but uh, honestly like the debate over the vp stuff it's so funny i made a post today about this like literally everybody on twitter now is a political consultant who mm -hmm. their expertise is vice presidential nominations everybody knows yeah. what trump should do better than trump himself and it's it's stupid like like having this discussion in general is stupid. Trump knows what he's doing and he said himself, it has no impact. We got to stop making such a big deal over this. There's there's bigger issues, but I get, we all get lost on that, th those debates of, you know, stuff that isn't really that important, but this is going to lead me to an article that, um, and I don't know if Chris is gonna be mad at me, but Chris sent it. And so I don't know if you wanted to talk about this on Saturday and maybe we will anyway, but we're going to talk about it now. And we're not even going to get too deep into this article because after reading this, I want to discuss a little bit uh, Trump and and populism in general because yeah let, let me let me read this first and you'll you'll see why I think so. This is how their the Yahoo News is framing it or the Hill I guess reposted by Yahoo News. Pence Group announces twenty million effort twenty million dollar effort to fight GOP's drift towards populism. Former VP Mike Pence Political Advocacy Group plans to invest $20 million this year to shape the conservative agenda, an effort to directly counter what Pence had previously described as populism unmoored to conservative uh, principles. Advancing American Freedom, which Pence launched in 2021, announced Wednesday the creation of the American Solutions Project, a three-pronged effort to push more traditional conservative policy priorities during an election year likely to be dominated by former President Trump. And it goes on, quotes, if you go to the actual article from... Who is this uh, real clear politics they go even further into it and again they, they they make they frame this whole thing as if pence is doing something here that is counter to trump because they're framing trump as as like pop populist and th this i want to show you his actual website um advancing american freedoms because this is what this foundation is actually pushing okay and I want you to read, these are from the website. These are the issues that Advancing American Freedom proposes, okay? Pro-life, 
always support the sanctity of human life, building on the successes of the most pro-life presidential administration in history. Fight to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions domestically and globally. Okay, both those are Trump. Religious liberty. Promote and defend religious liberty, including the conscious rights of doctors, nurses, teachers, and religious charities. Block the return of speech restrictions on pastors and religious leaders across the United States. Both those are Trump. School choice. Building on the success of the largest tax cut in American history, push to expand parents' ability to use 529 education savings plans for public, private, or religious school K-12. Defend the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program, the only school choice program in the nation's capital, which provides scholarships for low-income students to use at private or religious schools and encourage states and localities to create or expand their school choice programs. This is Trumpish. I feel like Trump just wants to abolish the Department of Education, which... Amen. Yeah. American prosperity. There's, there's only three sections here, okay? And they get more and more Trumpish as we go through. Um, restore the American energy independence that under the Trump-Pence administration was achieved for the first time in 70 years. Fight for policies that continue and restore the historic job growth during the Trump-Pence years, during which America saw 7 million new jobs created and unemployment plummet to 3.5%, the lowest in half a century. Promote policies that bring back the income growth rates from the Trump-Pence years. Amplify the economy igniting success of deregulation from the Trump-Pence years. Uh, push for other trade deals like the USMCA from the Trump-Pence. Like all this shit is Trump-Pence stuff. It, it's Agenda 47. If you, if uh, I yes. mean, there's yeah. got to be, there's yeah. the website for Agenda 47. And I bet <laughs> the side-by-sides would just be, this is a mirror. And then here again, American strength. Complete the border wall, the Trump-Pence border wall, and the Democrats' dangerous practice of catch and release. This is all Trump's border issues. Israel, Middle East, peace. Advocate for maintaining and expanding the Trump-Pence com commitment to Israel in the Middle East peace process by encouraging more peace agreements between Israel and Arab Muslim countries, like, like the Trump-Pence administration already brokered. Call for continued rebuilding of the American military, like Trump and Pence did. Pursue a firmer relationship with China grounded in fairness, reciprocity, and respect for sovereignty and property. Like Trump and Pence did, like all this shit, defending police. And that every... that that wording is actually kind of dasting in and of itself, even with the China sovereignty. that we always talk about. Well, yeah. even like, you know, there, that'd be that would be a easy opportunity to say take a hard stance against China. You know, the hawkish sort of rhetoric. But the closer we get to a second Trump administration, the softer the language on China becomes. You know, firm relationship with China based on sovereignty and prosperity. It's like. Trade sounds like, sounds like trade. Yeah. Um. Re go to the homepage of this website, which, by the way, Pence launched in like March of 2021, April of 2021. Go to the homepage. Right around the same the time, top. everybody, everybody else, all the Devo. Yep. Foundations the, were launched. Go to the top mm. and read the very first sentence on this website. Go to home and the very first sentence on the website. Not that that does that go down. That's the 501c3 declaration. Right there. Successful yes. conservative policies of the Trump-Pence administration created unprecedented prosperity for all Americans. Yep. The mission of this, this, this group, which Pence immediately founded like 90 days after J6, when he supposedly became a traitor, is its purpose is to advance the Trump-Pence administration's successful policies. Can you guys think of a more conservative president than we had than Donald Trump? No, I think the closest would no. be first first It'd admin Reagan, Reagan. <laughs> yeah. first yeah. term Reagan, and that's a, basically a mirror of Trump. Okay, so it, it's interesting to me that they frame Trump as 
a populist and, and populist is like the populism is so it, it's weird it's weird it's like hard to define i even tried it's to like warped yeah i've tried I, to even well, like look it up right. and figure out you know what exactly is the definition of populism that they they pin on trump and it's it's like of the people right like you mm -hmm. are there's a group of people the elites it's like you're you're for the rest of the people against the elites whatever and he does do that but the way i view trump is he almost uses it as a tool or a weapon like it's a yeah. He has a populist rhetoric, but he's a conservative president. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so it's interesting that they frame him as that, and they frame all the stuff that Pence is doing as being anti-Trump because it's anti-populist. And he's even saying the word populism. But Trump, I, I don't consider Trump to be a true populist, whatever you can even say a populist is. Like when I think populist, I, Bernie Sanders, I would say. Mm -hmm. it, he it, is. I, I would say yeah. uh, Obama was more populist. Definitely. It, it's like a liberal socialist agenda, essentially, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, you can go, go first. I wrote I wrote uh, something during the intro when when you told me that we were going to discuss this. I wrote I wrote something. But go ahead, go ahead, PB. Just just a note on the populism. I think actually the some <laughs> the sort of confused tone about the definitions of populism is kind of the point here. And I think that you know yeah. it's such a broad term. And I think what we're seeing here is just that language coding and, and narrative warfare. Again, language warfare, literal language warfare. Here, you're absolutely right to bring up people like Bernie Sanders. That's that's a great that's a great example of a modern populist. Uh, I would I would not argue with calling Donald Trump a populist. I think it's a astute observation to say that he it's it's an interesting juxtaposition of Trump being a conservative, a Republican, and what that conjures in the minds of men, much of the American public. But he was one he's really the first one in a long time that has run on populist ideals. Uh, but yeah. All this is doing is this is the media spinning this crap. I think what we're seeing with Pence, even with his little out of context there, they're trying to spin his little dig at populism. But I would guess that when people like Pence and Trump and conservatives, MAGA, America First conservatives, if they're taking any shots at populism, I think they are referencing essentially this Che Guevara and, you know, the it goes all the way back to communism like populism is communism populism taken to the extreme is communism or fascism the reason that the media likes to frame populism against donald trump is that's one of their dog whistles where they are trying to conjure conjure imagery of hitler they're trying to they know that drawing direct comparisons between maga supporters and nazis in the current zeitgeist is not working very well. That's why they've shifted to trying to do it to Russia and Putin. But when they're using those populist terms and they're trying to assign it to Donald Trump and everything, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to basically um, imprint him as fascist, a wannabe fascist, mm. liar, kind of dictator in waiting. That's a good point. And they're using it at every opportunity. Like in this right. article, again, I'll show it um, here. And, and these are kind of digs that Pence made during the 2024 GOP nomination, I guess, because Pence ran against his old boss for the 2024 GOP nomination. The former vice president frequently warned the party against following what he called the siren song of populism and, and questioned whether Trump was committed to conservative policy goals. I just find it funny because when you actually look at his website and what he's pushing, everything is a reference to the Trump-Pence administration. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't remember... Like I hardly remember Pence being in the race. Honestly, I don't remember anything he actually said during the campaign. But um, yeah, it's just Mikhail. Go ahead with what you're going to say. Yeah. So during pre-show, you mentioned 
we were going to talk about populism. And so during the intro, I just wrote a couple notes on, um, I guess what populism means to me, but what it means to me as far as what Trump represents as a populist and then what I think Pence is doing here. So I'm going to read the notes I wrote and y'all can just let me know what you think about them. I'd be interested to hear it. So to me, populism is a broad term that can be applied to lots of political perspectives and ideologies mm -hmm. on both the left and the right. And yeah. its primary feature is it's people versus the elite or the common citizen versus the deep state. You and that's how, Trump, this, so. that's how Trump uses it. That's how, and that's how he utilizes that rhetoric and juxtaposes it, right? Like that's, that's, how, that's how he does, it's a technique. Um, but then what Trump does is he seats within populism principles of law and order, liberty, strong national defense, protective trade, low taxes, all those things we just read off of Pence's website. Trump then yeah. puts that in the middle of his populist message. So he's combining elements of several variations of conservatism and liberalism, which are a threat to the, this, him doing this is a threat to the false, false duality that the uniparty has constructed for us and persuaded us is the only reality available to us and is the norm in American politics. That there's left and right and you have to be either or. But Trump is taking the best of all of it and putting it right in the middle of populism. And that's and he's offering that as this new conservative populism. And in truth, what he's talking about is classical liberalism and populism, the marriage of those two ideas, which are the basis for America. Yeah. The basis <laughs> of our country is classical liberalism plus a populist revolt to the authoritarian regime that was in England. You can't get more American than populism and classical liberalism, which today yeah. we've is now conservatism. So to me, what Pence is doing is he's advocating for conservatism um, in a way that constrains populism and ties it to the conservative principles that we know well, which is what needs to happen. We can't let Pence, we, we can't let populism just be a, uh, um, a hero worship thing. Where it's like yeah. whoever the popular guy is that says the things we like, we just agree with him because he says things we like. No, it needs to be tied down to principles. And so Pence, to me, he's advocating for these sets of conservative principles that are traditional, yes, but they're also core to what America is. Yeah. Um, and then it's a, it's a marriage between that and Trump's populism. Um, and to me, that's what needs to happen. We can't if if we're just going to let it all be about trump all the time then what happens after trump there has to be a plan post trump the drops say that there's a plan post trump and um i think that we're seeing that happen now i don't know that it is pence's effort that that is the plan post trump but i do think this message in general that pence seems to be advocating and i read the two-page paper or brochure on his website and you just read from his website as well that sounds perfectly in line with Trump and America first principles and American principles. Yeah, it was actually Rachel Maddow not long ago. Um, I think when, I think it was the first night of the primaries when Trump came out and like smoked everybody, she went on TV and had a menopausal meltdown about how this movement is so concerning because like it's, you know, when it gets to a point like this, it's not about the leader. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's about the people in general. Like you could swap the leader in and out. And th that is like actually spot on. And that's what we need. Yeah. We need a movement where it doesn't matter who's in charge. And so we need that shift from an actual populist movement where people just like Trump because he's Trump to 
what does Trump stand for? What is the movement that he's spearheading? And that is why we need to support him and continue supporting the things. Because once he's gone, like after these four years or whatever, it, it does need to continue. There's so much more work to do. And so the the whoever's in charge of the movement is just the representative of the movement itself. And so, yeah, I, I do think you're right how Pence is almost tying the the conservative values and conservative um, you know thought processes to the the populism of Trump or and and that's that's what we need that's the mega movement that is mega yep it's funny I, I sometimes uh, have these conversations even on the air with uh, Chris you know we always joke about being the token liberals of Badlands and Kyle and I have done an episode on defected talking about our like opposite paths to Trumpism through the through the uh, political ether. But what's funny is even though I always refer to myself as a former liberal, um, I don't refer to myself now as a conservative, but a lot of it is because of what you just described, Kyle. When you're talking about classical liberalism, I'm like, no, I still feel like a liberal, but how I define what being a liberal is has no, yes. bears no resemblance to what the modern word, word liberal means. So when I think liberal, I'm thinking like a JFK liberal act, and he was even less liberal than I would think, you know, um, that that's why a lot of this, and if we're using populism being the word of the night here, I think that it's, it's true that what they're trying to do, Trump, Pence, et cetera, is they're trying to sort of take control back of some of these terms and say, we, we as a movement, I like that you bring up Maddow, John, because that's the best form of narrative convergence to me is when the enemy's narratives start to mirror our own and we can kind of watch their rant and just be like, I agree with you, Rachel Maddow. We just think that this is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly, you know, like an example of this would be the word woke. Ten years ago, the word woke emanated from the black American community and it was used to describe black Americans who were waking up to the plantation that was liberal politics and how liberal politicians were using them against the black community. So originally to be woke meant that you were a black American who realized that you had been lied to. And then 10 years later, when we say the word woke, it means a completely different thing. It's been totally inverted into communist, pink-haired, blue-haired, landwell nonsense. And that's not what it originally meant, right? So I think, uh, I like when you said, you know, new conservative populism. It's like, we get to define what the America First movement is. And the one word I would use to maybe tie together all the disparate elements of what Trump is doing and Pence is doing and what the America First movement is doing is that first principles approach that we always talk about in various ways. What yep. they're trying to do, I think, is bring it back to looking at the issues directly and how they impact Americans. People can call that populist, people can call it liberal, or people can call it conservative. It really doesn't matter what you call it. All that matters is what the principles are that they're advancing. That's so right. funny because the, the, the way they use uh, mega extremism, right? Like we're mega extremists. Like we need to lean into that. Like, yeah, I'm 100% right. a mega extremist. You can label yeah. me that all you want, but they can't define what it means to be a mega extremist. And <laughs> that is kind of what we're doing and what Pence and, and Trump, I think, are doing, whether Pence is there after this or not, we don't know. But right. but regardless, Trump said, guys, the vice president has no impact. So it doesn't matter if you don't like him. Get over it. Even though yeah, it they, yeah, we'll see. they can't. They love the fake news and they can't stop buying it. We just proved fake news. We proved fake they news can't, right they here. They can't, dude. 
and it is what it is but yeah so that i i wanted to have the discussion that was a good discussion i think we're all on the same page with that um some really good points made let's do what do we got next oh i want to get into this executive order from biden today um because it's pretty darn interesting what he did here and i and i noticed like they've been making a weird push with cybersecurity. before we get into that though let's let's get to our next couple of sponsors really quick first we got the wellness company life is unpredictable if we've learned anything these last four years it's that while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us we can prepare for it introducing two new emergency kits from the wellness company the first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips compact and convenient this kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand the travel emergency kit is specially designed for life on the go compact lightweight and loaded with essentials for any adventure whether it's a road trip a hike or just the unpredictability of daily life you'll be ready next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency kits from the wellness company stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable visit badlandsmedia.tv twc Use promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. That is badlandsmedia.tv slash TWC promo code BADLANDS. And then our next sponsor is Beamish Metalworks. Attention Badlanders, in the heart of Malmo, Minnesota, a remarkable family-led team at Beamish Metalworks is crafting not just metal art, but personalized, timeless masterpieces. Beamish Metalworks is in a class of its own, pioneering metal-on-wood creations, Imagine a piece of art that's not confined by generic designs, but is a narrative of your persona, your memories, or your dreams. From the elegance of an office centerpiece to the wild spirit of hunting and fishing scenes, your imagination is the only limit. Dive into the, the realm of endless possibilities with Beamish customization, where your space becomes a reflection of you with a distinct vibe that only Beamish Metalworks can offer. Beamish Metalworks proudly supports local heroes and events, from veteran fundraisers to law enforcement gatherings, embedding themselves as a pillar of support and gratitude. Visit Beamish Metalworks today at badlandsmedia.tv slash metal art. Use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your one-of-a-kind purchase. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash metal art promo code BADLANDS. And sending some of these out to the team here soon, but there's my Beamish Metalworks sign. It's awesome. They do great work. It's like I could, I could dual wield the Badlands shield and Glamdring, the sword of Gandalf, first wielded by Akthalion of Gondolin. Little known cool. fact. Sounds like a. I'm not surprised it's little known. Let's just say that. Very little known fact. Um, okay, let's get into this uh, executive order. Let me find it first. Okay, can I have one of you guys read this while I find the other thing I need to do? I can read it. Okay, All right. Fact sheet. Biden-Harris administration announces initiative to bolster cybersecurity of U.S. ports. Today, the Biden-Harris administration will issue an executive order to bolster the security of the nation's ports alongside a series of additional actions that will strengthen maritime cybersecurity, fortify our supply chains, and strengthen the United States industrial base. The administration will also announce its intent to bring domestic onshore manufacturing capacity back to America to provide safe, secure cranes to U.S. ports, Thanks to an over $20 billion investment in U.S. port infrastructure under President Biden's Investing in America agenda. Today's actions are clear examples of the president's work to invest in America, secure the country's supply chains, and strengthen the cybersecurity of our nation's critical infrastructure against 21st century threats, priorities his administration has focused on relentlessly since taking office. 
Okay, and then there's um this right here. So these are some of the actions. Um, he will sign an executive order to bolster the Department of Homeland Security's authority to directly address maritime cyber threats, including through cybersecurity standards to ensure that American port networks and systems are secure. So this is the part that's concerning because when you talk cybersecurity and DHS, you're talking about CISA. And then you go and actually look at the executive order. It's to Coast Guard. Exactly. So this is Coast Guard, which is under the military. Yep. And Biden is now implanting. Uh, let me get to it right here. So there, there was a change from this previously. Previously, um, so it's amending section 6.16-1, which is right here. And this is in the Federal Code of, Regula Code of Federal Regulations. Um, if there's any issue, sabotage, subversive activity, whatever, it is to be reported immediately to the FBI and to the captain of the port or to their respective representatives. This new executive order, like I said, embeds cybersecurity. So it's all the same stuff, except after FBI, now it says, shall be reported to the FBI, the cybersecurity or infrastructure and infrastructure security agency for any cyber incident, and then the captain of the port and the respective representatives. And so this got me thinking about what CISA did during the election. Like they were totally subversive Everything they did was to benefit the Biden administration, the regime, the elite, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the establishment. And now they're being embedded within military nodes. And this is something I think has happened in multiple areas. And then recently we had that story of China and their cyber army invading U.S. critical uh, infrastructure. And part of this was through ports in Hawaii. Yep. Among the victims were a water utility in Hawaii, a major West Coast port, and at least one oil and gas pipeline. And so then I started digging into the uh, every, pretty much everything Biden has done related to cyber security stuff. And I, I found something a, a little concerning. So they have their actual national cybersecurity strategy, and we don't need to get into this, but they basically say, you know, Russia and China and Iran and all the people that they, you know, bring up in those election reviews. Um, about who may have interfered or tried to interfere in the election. All those same people, China's the biggest threat. Russia is second biggest threat, but mainly because they only are trying to help Trump in the elections, all the woke bullshit. But then this, this implementation plan, you go in here and for each one of these, they have um, who is being the agency responsible for, for implementing stuff related to the cybersecurity and CISA has like all the important ones. The one I really want to touch on is securing our critical infrastructure. And this is the stuff, and, and also it's um, scaling public and private collaboration. Responsible agency says that that's a little concerning too, but it's right here. Well, I just want to find the right one. Provide recommendations for critical infrastructure, CISA. Evaluate how CISA can leverage existing stuff. Um, Best opportunities for new and improved information sharing. CISA. Hold on. Modernize federal defenses in coordination with CISA. Man, I don't want to have to dig through all this stuff. But there was one that was like further established, like the protection of critical infrastructure, all these things. And it was CISA again. And so... It's weird. The, the Biden administration asked the DOD to put out their own 
cyber response and like what they're doing this year. Okay. And CISA and all these things, they had like hundreds and hundreds of pages. The DOD comes out with a two page Word document, no pictures, nothing. It's just like, we're going to maximize our cyber capabilities. We're going to defend the nation. And we can read this. This is <laughs> the first bullet point. The department will campaign in and through cyberspace to generate insights about malicious cyber actors, as well as defend forward to disrupt and degrade these actors' capabilities and supporting ecosystems. Additionally, DoD will work with its interagency partners to leverage all available authorities to enable the cyber resilience of U.S. critical infrastructure and to counter threats to military readiness. But literally not even a page and a half, not even a full page and a half. That's all we got. And so I'm thinking about this here, and I feel like CISA is the deep state cyber agency and they're being embedded everywhere if if we have a cyber agency that's not like with the enemy it's going to be with the military right like cybercom or a note of cybercom or or something and th th that's it and so i, I just want to have a little discussion here because this executive order is what kind of sparked it off after what we saw with the election and, and the cybercom what we believe they know about other elections, I think it was when I sent this to you, Bernie Bright, earlier, you asked me, wouldn't it be like within the devil realm or something for them to be able to interdict this or prevent this stuff? Do you remember how you phrased it? Uh, yeah, well, basically, you know, it, I, it just made me think of how we define the powers of the Biden administration. We're looking at Biden executive orders and wondering um, if those are being advanced by Biden. Um, that's really a mind screw with me right now, which maybe I'll get to later on. But, um, you know, if those are threatening national essential functions, then they would trigger, ostensibly trigger Devo responses, continuity of government responses. But then, you know, your response makes sense that if they're, if this is a similar situation to what many of us feel was going on in 2020, you know, you, you think a crime is going to occur you allow a crime to occur and map it, document it. Yeah, I think I think my response was like, if devolution is occurring, but we're the, the primary battlefield that we're we're operating in is an information battlefield. Like it, we're in an information yeah. war. At what point does the devo team actually stop stuff from happening when the narrative of said thing happening or taking place or whatever might might actually be more. I don't yeah. know. It might, it might do more damage against them in the, the narrative realm. So here's here's my mind screw that maybe will be good to introduce now. And I obviously want Kyle's take on the CISA aspect of things. I don't want to derail us from the CISA stuff, but just what screws with me about Biden executive orders. I'd obviously recently been doing a lot of research into um, e the e economic system, right? And we've talked about this for a few years now the seeming contradictions between many of these stances that Joe Biden has taken and the Biden administration has taken that seem to mirror Trump. Uh, the easiest ones to spot are economic orders onshoring a lot of that stuff before they get to CISA in this executive order is talking about that. And what's kind of funny is if you blocked out that little Biden-Harris uh, qualifier, if you were reading the first paragraph of this executive order, you'd go, yeah, that looks like a Trump executive order to me onshoring U.S. production. Um, it's it's advancing many of these things. And we have seen that that is happening. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these, you know, the CHIPS Act is the biggest example of that. I sometimes have difficulty reconciling 
the the way by Bi the Biden administration seems to have forwarded some of these Trump era economic policies, often through executive order, or at least they haven't been able to stop them with something like this, you know, with them yep. advancing something de actively detrimental via executive order. Granted, I know that when Biden first got into office in January 2021, he issued a rash of, ex of executive orders that seemed to be damaging to us, right? So I just have a hard time sometimes sussing out, are all of these executive orders truly just Biden admin, no strings attached, um, deep state EOs that are trying to sabotage us, or is there anything else going on with them? It's an interesting point. You know, like I've always said, we don't know where, it, there's like a blurred line between where the Biden administration control begins and like the Devo control ends and maybe some of that stuff like the fir the first day the good example like you said biden comes in and issues 17 actually damaging eos like those actually damaged us mm -hmm. economically but narratively those it's have come back beneficial. to be very beneficial for us right in the long run so like at what at what point and, and we, we don't know what the mandate is there's so there's so many things about the devolution we don't know like we there's tons of evidence showing it was implemented. There are other influences out there who act like they know everything about it and everything is like a devo proof, but there's there's very few like we 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 get. That's why we celebrate them so much when we do get them. But yeah, I don't know stuff like this. Like some of this executive order, like you said, it does kind of sound very Trumpy, but then they embed the CISA, which I don't think is a is a right. good is a good move. So, I I don't know, man. That's an interesting thought. Kyle, do you have anything to add, or are you looking at F one porn? <laughs> Uh, just, I'm literally subscribed to F1 porn on Reddit, by the way. Uh, that's one of my favorite sites. Is that a real thing? Um, yeah. F1 porn. Yeah. R slash F1 porn. It's nothing <laughs> so, but, so it's funny. nothing but high resolution photos of Formula One cars. I love it. <laughs> I go there every day. That's great. Oh my God. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I, I'm, about I'm not kidding. It is one of my no, favorite websites. You. <laughs> <laughs> he just um, set you up for it perfectly. Porn, Pornhubcap.com. Yes. <laughs> Where do you think I got that image earlier? That was from F1 Porn. Kyle. Um, I mean, There's I have it. I have here. the Actually, I think we on my screen. I have StreamYard, and right next to it is F1 Porn. Those are the two tabs that are right there together. And then the other side of that is Robert Hur's report. <laughs> All right. So, um, I don't know what to say. My comment on this is that uh, this EO seems well in line with an EO that Trump would put out. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of action recently uh, in in the cyber realm. Um, and uh, you, we've seen the FBI and CISA appear together in a House hearing. And uh, Nakasone was there. And they all talked about actions they took to block cyber attacks and um, with and basically, they left what was un they they didn't say Cybercom did it, but the only person who could have done it was Cybercom. Uh, the other day, they seized a bunch of websites that were uh, part of an effort to launch attacks against American infrastructure. Um, and it seems like this is just the right. This is this just seems in line with that. Also, I just um. More and more to me, it feels like we're supposed to uh, be all mad at CISA and hate them and whatnot. And it seems kind of like a psyop to me to get us to hate CISA now that there's not things to criticize. But there's a there's a real effort to get us to think that just like with the FBI and DOJ, when you see that acronym, 
You got to be mad about it. No matter what it is, you got to be mad about it. And um, the person who's director of CISA right now, Jen Easterly, is a 20-year Army veteran who was at Cybercom, who was at the NSA, and seems to me more like somebody who uh, would be a good pick to be in charge of CISA than a bad pick. And um, she's definitely a, a long, a way better than Krebs was. So at least on paper, she seems to be. So I'm just not over here dooming out about CISA. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that we have come out where it's like, ooh, the FBI and CISA talked to Twitter. Um, that never really upset me that much because it's like, well, yeah, of course they did. There's, cyber, there's bad cyber actors on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else online. Of course, these into these agencies that are responsible for dealing with cyber threats talk to the platforms where the cyber threats were playing out. Uh, of course, they communicated. Um, so, I'm just comfy. And did, did um, you did I, you I see like how they actually participated in the censorship? Yeah, I've seen some stuff where they uh, they alerted Twitter to uh, various posts and bot farms and. Um, I think I think a lot more of the blame goes on the individuals and how they were pressuring their own political preferences on censorship than the fact that there was the existence of communication itself. Like the fact that they communicated is not the issue here. The issue is the political biases and prejudices that were that the agents who were doing the communication brought into play. That's I mean, the you problem. could say that about everything. Like I'm not I mean, we, we don't have to blame CISA itself, but like everything CISA has done, inclu including like, there, did you see the report that just came out where they did a study from November 3rd, 2019 to November 3rd, 2020, and they revealed like, I mean, the the numbers in it were staggering, like 76% of machines they studied had vulnerabilities. And they knew mm -hmm. that at the time, but they still came out and said, I mean, I mean, yeah, you could blame that on political biases, but still that's like, that's another system like CISA has been every step of the way. And I'm not doing well, it. It is interesting CISA, though to continue it is interesting though to con consider um again, even in the in the executive order, you know, Patriot control theory. This is what can be so tricky because we all acknowledge that there's definitely a massive psychological element here, narrative warfare element. You know, so like you can play the thought experiment of CISA being under Patriot control at the top level. And that they could be being embedded in these ways to monitor the exact sort of stuff that in the past, if it was Chris Krebs, right, he was there through November, he was there through the 2020 election, the time period that you're talking about, John, and then he was out. Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting to consider at least the possibility that there was a pre, there was the Krebs CISA regime doing that stuff, that the narratives patriots are advancing are still against are still tag targeting that iteration of CISA, but that they might have more control over that these days while they're still allowing those narratives out there. Um, what it made, what I think I had, I had DM to you when you'd sent this earlier, John was, it made me think of the discussion we had, I think last week where I think Kyle, you'd use the term like narrowing, you know, Trump narrowing the definitions of the presidency. We sort of had that discussion. And earlier today, I was thinking about that in terms of agencies, of one of the main goals of a future of a second Trump administration being the narrowing or hopefully eventual elimination 
of some of the administrative state and agencies. Um, and you could still advance that narrative warfare while actually having control over some of these agencies. You know, patriots could control, let's say, the CIA at the top level via devolution while also um, advancing narratives that seem detrimental to the CIA because they're looking for that mandate to narrow the powers of it. It's kind of one of those weirdly paradoxical ways I sort of look at some of this stuff where it's like, well, maybe the maybe CISA isn't actually going to do anything really bad and they're not full of bad actors or there could be good. It, it's probably more likely that it's a mix of the two. and We've got an FBI type situation going on where you've got a seventh floor at all of these agencies and you've also got patriots in these agencies as well. I just have to think that if Devo is involved here, National Essential Functions, that's a big one. And if anything is being allowed to happen here, it's got to be because it's pushing either a narrative or an actual in our favor. I like the EO and I like how DOD was just like, we will do things that will be good for America and protect it. And they were just like very vague. It's so it's so DOD and it just like it lets you know, uh, like they're not going to volunteer all these specifics. Uh, there's no reason for them to. Um, CIS has taken the public heat right now, and it's well deserved for something. It's it's also fake news and other aspects of it. Uh, that's my general take on it. Huh. That's interesting. You know, I haven't I haven't considered how much. I mean, everything I've read about CISA, it, it's they're being embedded and spread everywhere, and the 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 bullshit they participated in. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen a, a win out of it yet, and I think you're right, Bernie. About where Trump, where, where Trump, I think he he wants smaller government. He want we want less of these federal agencies involved in every aspect of all this this stuff, and, and that's that's what at CISA, least with more oversight, right? At least with a lot more oversight. Well, what CISA does in everything is like they it's the public private partnerships, and when they are yeah. able to choose, like the, like the elections, for instance, when they are able to partner with. The, the Smartmatics, the Dominions, and all these companies who have a vested interest in, in running these elections, they are making money off of running these elections. They're getting paid to run these elections. And if they have, if we can't trust who's in control there, they can change the outcome of the elections. And then CISA, the one who brought them in, if we can't trust them, they're the same ones who are supposed to be monitoring this. And it, it's just it's so, so shady. And so I don't trust them being more... Yeah. I, I don't trust that with anything. Like... I don't know what the answer is, well, though. Either. It all depends on who is up there, right? So if we're talking about, I, I think, uh, John, share my screen, if you will, because I think we might have a hit here in the drops. Um, so we've got, I don't know if you guys can see this, um, we've got drop 4951 here. November 12th, 2020, shall we play a game? Nothing can stop what is coming. CISA.gov, Safecom, nothing can stop what's coming. Who stepped down today? Forced. Ryan S. Ware, more coming. Why is this relevant? How do you show public the truth? How do you safeguard U.S. elections post-POTUS? How do you remove foreign interference and corruption and install U.S.-owned voter ID laws and other safeguards? It had to be this way. Sometimes you must walk through the darkness before you see the light. So I might have jumped the gun, but I, I, I was thinking about Krebs just because he I just looked up that he had stepped down or was forced out on November well, 17th. This I mean, is five I th- days I, before that. I think it's totally possible that Trump created CISA, which the bo- the pieces of it were already in existence in DHS. Yep. But Trump creates CISA in 2018. Uh, all these deep state people 
run for it because, ooh, we can get so much control and influence through this new government entity within DHS. And then they end up getting caught in, in lies and exposed. And um, at the same time, as they fail, responsibilities that were um, on them then get distributed to DOD and Coast Guard and Cybercom and all these right. other places where it's that more, have way more, oversight. More, more aptly placed. And, um, you know, you mentioned who's going to do oversight of CISA. Well, that would be the IG of DHS, who is Kafari, who came in in 2019. And last I knew, he was under investigation for um, okay. um, being part of the team, being part of the cover up of the Secret Service agents who deleted text messages about J6. So. Um, so it looks like the 2019 2020 era of CISA or some swampiness going on there uh, yeah. that ostensibly looks like it was being cleaned out right around the election. Did you dig into the, these departures when you were doing the Devo research, John? Yeah, a these little CISA bit. Departures. So I'm trying to see who actually wondering. wrote because I mean, everybody credits Trump for, you know, creating CISA, but it, it was an act like it was an act from Congress that was approved by Congress and the Senate and he signed it into law. I'm trying to see who wrote looks like Michael McCall, of Texas. Oh, McCall. He's introduced it. So the cool. other the other hit here is from October 14th. You got a couple of um CISA. This link isn't working for me for some reason. But uh Benny Thompson was a co-sponsor. Here, check this out. Ratcliffe was a co-sponsor. Interesting. Cedric so we Lindman. might have got to your point about okay. who's leading it now, Kyle. We might have got a clean out there at the end of 2020. Might might have. I mean, the the oversight that should be coming into CISA from the IG at DHS, there's some there's some difficulties with him. And mm. honestly, Congress has dropped the ball on providing oversight of him. They were interested in him, but then now they've been interested in the Biden impeachment inquiry and all that stuff. And it seems like between that and uh DOJ oversight stuff, DHS has kind of been forgotten about, except for the impeachment of Mayorkas. But, you know, it could be through the impeachment of Mayorkas that, you know, after that or in tandem with that, they start looking at Kufari again. Um, or maybe they, they stop because the investigation into the deleted J6 text, they want to have, they want that to conclude or get further down the road before they go after uh, Kufari. She's really she, she's an advisor to CISA, Vijaya God. They created a yeah. a cybersecurity advisory committee. Like wow, Steve they're Adler. freaking everywhere. They're everywhere. It's always the same. Yes. It's yes. always the same fuckers, right? Like you see them on a, on the Joe Rogan Cloud experience. Yeah, see the guy from oh, Cloudflare. That's interesting. CSIS. I mean, these people. So, so is she? Um, is Wong Zuckerberg's Wong, or am I just being racist? I'm not Probably sure. Probably being racist, but no, this is um. She was Obama's White House Deputy Chief Technology Officer. Okay. Well, I'm curious. She earned the nickname what? The Decider. <laughs> <laughs> Lame ass nickname. Yeah, but Jaya God went very viral. I'm sure most people here have seen the uh, the Jack Dorsey Joe Rogan episode. Yeah. With Mr. Yeah, Beanie. Jen Easterly. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, there's definitely been Check a change she in was leadership on, over there. She was on that tailored access operation. Mm. She was I remember there. reading about this. Yep. 
Cyber Cyber Advisor and Kabul. It was temporary head up. What? Who was in between Krebs and Easterly? Nobody. Well, I mean, was there was, there. um, no, the there was, uh, oh, fuck, who was it? Sorry. Because that's about eight months. Eight months between. I don't, did they See, not have look, one? Look at her grin. She, she's, t her smile tells you. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is a I'm shitty grin. These, I'm going to get Krebs was, Krebs was in here until November 17, 2020. Donald Trump fired Krebs for contradicting Trump's claims of election fraud in the 2020 presidential election. So Trump kicked him out. And the the Q drops are talking about departures in October and November 2020. So this looked like the sting, right? We all think that 2020 was a sting. But it looks like a lot of that clean out by Trump occurred at the end of 2020, which would mean that the CISA we're looking at today ostensibly is not the CISA we were looking at then. For sure. Um, it just dep like it depends too. like we, we don't know under a devolution scenario. Does Biden actually have any control of who he gets to put in some of these agencies? Well, that's what's so this is what's a seeming contradiction, but it's not like this is where you can be. You can be right that we, you know, if we need this narrative, but Joe Biden is the biggest narrative shield for Donald Trump. The Biden administration is the best narrative shield we've ever had for the Trump administration. So if they need to forward, <clears throat> even if it's just purely a psyop about elections and corruption and all that, then it almost doesn't matter if Biden's the one forwarding the executive orders or not. It for seems sure. like there's so much in that that is so good for the America First agenda. Um, oh, I didn't realize this was still on the screen. My bad. Um, you know, I'd never been looking at that through the through the uh, CISA infrastructure or cybersecurity or anything like that, but just from an economic and onshoring of production and situation, that's like the last thing that the globalist establishment wants it's so hard for me to look an executive order like that that is you know catastrophically upending continuing the upending of the globalist trade order and the dominance of the the petrodollar while also advancing a terrible cybersecurity initiative or something i, I mean r really the executive order what they said about it the bullshit they said about it was not exactly in line okay. with what was in the, they changed language they made it a little like there's a couple sections of the original um federal code regulation whatever code of federal regulations where they were referencing the captain of the port as a he and they changed it to like just the captain of the port to take the the gender out of it um and then they right. the biggest change was implementing the cyber stuff and CISA so like a lot of the I, I haven't like examined all of Biden's EOs it sounds Sounds miserable to. So, do that, like, did you? Krebs sued Trump. Did he? Of course he did. Yeah. Uh, Krebs filed a civil lawsuit against, oh, against, D, yeah, D. Genova, the Trump campaign, and Newsmax TV, accusing them of defamation. Um, I wonder how that's going. I could look it up on Pacer. But, you know, okay, speaking of like nominations, even, we, we've had some recent, um, you know, I don't even remember if it was military or what it was. I remember who it was, but I texted like somebody I knew who has a, a history in the Air Force, 
say, hey, do you know this person? Like, this seems on paper like this would be our guy. This is pretty cool, right? And the comment I got back was like, no, he's he's as woke as it gets. This is this is bad, like bad news bears. I was like, oh shit, like people on paper do not necessarily align with how they are person unless they're lying, you know, being that's true, different that's in true. person. But um, sorry, I thought this was. Let me share a screen, Leo. Kind of okay, like how so... people people who suddenly appear on scene and say all the things that MAGA likes, you know, may not necessarily be honest brokers and uh honest operators anybody you're talking about in particular no definitely not burning, some right? <laughs> i came out of nowhere um, uh, i, I thought this was everywhere. just interesting i was just doing the you know the wiki the wiki sleuthing as you do and uh they say here in the wiki article um November 12, 2020, it was reported that Krebs expected to be fired from his position. In part, this expectation was due to Krebs' role in creating a CISA website. And then it links over here in the footnotes, cybersecurity, CISA.gov, election security, rumor versus reality, disinformation yeah. narratives. Um, you know, the reason I bring this up is because that drop, the Q drop was November 12, 2020. Came up, so it's it's like there's a Q drop talking about departures from CISA, and then on that day, Krebs is addressing rumors that he is going to be forced out of CISA, and well, then five days later, he's forced out by Trump. Well, that right there, the security rumor thing, like scroll down. If does it say anything about um, okay, election questions? Can you send me this link? Yeah. And while you're doing that, I want to show you guys this. This is what we went over Saturday. I won't go into detail, but this was the report that had to be FOIA to come out. It was published March of 2021. They were trying to keep it a secret, but the FOIA obviously went through. FOIAs always seem to go through. But this was, they observed trends from November 3rd, 2019 to November 3rd, 2020. And their analysis of available data for, um, for what they, like the election infrastructure that they assessed, 76% of EI entities had some sort of entry point or a weakness, especially for that was spear phishing. 48% had critical or high severity of vulnerability on at least one internet accessible host, even though they weren't connected to the internet, right? 39% of entities ran at least one risky service on an internet accessible host, providing the opportunity for threat actors to attack otherwise legitimate services. 34% ran unsupported operating systems on at least one internet accessible host, which exposes entities to compromise. They knew this. It, they they knew yeah. this stuff was happening when they came out and said it was the most secure election in history. When did um, um when did this get uh, get released through FOIA? Like two weeks ago, not even a week and a half ago. I think this is the document Trump was trying to get in his motion to compel discovery. It was a small um, account. It was um possibly why we vote. They were the ones who um at least broke the story as far as I as I as far as I saw. But it was a small account, like three thousand followers on Twitter. Um smaller account i guess and they I i'm pretty i remember a cisa report that trump was trying to get and in, in his motion to compel discovery in the docs case and uh or maybe it's the j6 case but i think i know that trump was asking for a cisa analysis a report i mean this is what this proves is that cisa was lying about the 2020 election and so right. it makes sense trump let all these swampy people get in there 
lie about the information they had and the data about the election, let the election be stolen, <laughs> told everybody that it was the most secure ever, and then like, a few years later we find out, oh, all you people lied and Trump was right. And the Q joke. I just thought the timing there was crazy. And John, you've gone over the NC, the, the nothing can stop what's coming. You know, yeah. that, the nationwide people. council I, I know of statewide inter, interoperability, something. Yeah. But I just kind of thought it was interesting that you get this drop on November 12th. You get CISA posting this this thing about, you know, disinformation, etc. You get Krebs addressing in the media rumors of his... Uh, rumored that Krebs expected to be fired from his position. Um, and then on the 17th, he was fired. Yeah. Trump but... fired Krebs via Twitter. <laughs> because, quote, the recent statement by Chris Krebs on the security of the 2020 election was highly inaccurate, that it was massive improprieties and fraud. Um, yeah, it looks like he, like Kyle said, I mean, they let these people stay in there, which... It's part of the narrative warfare. I go back to what Trump yeah. said when it's like the, it's the same three letter agencies that have been conducting illegal psychological warfare campaigns against the American people. I lump this in there, even though they're not three letter, it's a four letter agency. But it's from day one, it's been like the CIA, the FBI, all these other intel agencies versus the, the, the military one, like the, the, yeah. the, the DIA, right? Where Defector Dong went. He didn't go to the CIA or any of the other agencies for a reason. Like the military, if we have any hope, it's with them. And so and you get you said that they have oversight over CISA, right? Who who's got director DHS. oversight? DHS. So then it does look like they were monitoring these people and letting them Well, DHS is not military. Oh right. Well, but it was the Trump administration. I'm just yeah. thinking they they knew, like they didn't make that decision. We don't none of us think that Trump made that decision on November 17, 2020. You know, that's how the media spins it with Krebs, right? The firearm. They they spin it like he basically responded to the Chris Krebs rumor in yeah. the media no. cycle that week. So I was I just don't saying know. that. I don't, we don't know what Trump knows. We don't know yeah. what intel he has, but I do fully right. believe that they saw it coming and they have proof that proof of it actually being stolen. And so every one of these entities that engaged in the, the narrative warfare of, oh no, you legitimately lost. Yeah, whether it's Cybercom actually monitoring this stuff through the SolarWinds hack or whatever it may be, that yeah. that's just one aspect of it. But he, he well, they knows. knew who these people were. They yeah, yeah, they knew who Chris Krebs was and everything. I'm just I can't find who is who who was in the interim there. I guess maybe nobody. But if there was somebody acting between um, Krebs, no, because I'm I'm curious if we can find any hints that East between Easterly and Krebs that. Um, the Biden administration were not the ones who got their person in there in CISA, because if that's all executive, that's down the executive chain of commands, then there was you a, would think. There was a um, Brandon Wales who was there from, this is, it looks like that's the guy Biden put in prior to Easterly. Um, but he I was only in there for like a few months then? I don't know, that's the executive director. Uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, Brent. Yeah, from acting, November 20th acting. through yeah. July 2021, 20, Wales was the acting director of CISA. Yeah, right. My bad. That was easy to find. You don't know anything about this guy. but No, I remember reading about him, though. 
I went through. I went through it. When I did my part five article on CISA and like the, the those the public private partnerships and stuff, the EISCC and everything, I went like deep down every yeah. dark corner of CISA's internet, like what everything yeah. related to them. Like I was beyond balls deep inside CISA. It'd just be and... interesting if we could try to, if we could find any connections between Easterling and you know white hat type military types and all that um i know she was in military i'm just saying if we could if we could try to map her in any specific direction yeah here this is um this is her qualifications i can read this it's hard to imagine someone with more qualifications for this job than easterly she served in the u.s army for some 20 years focusing on intel and cyber operations she actually helped stand up the army's first information warfare battalion that is interesting that's interesting She's played different roles at the NSA, including working with the Tailored Access Operations Group, one of the most elite hacking units in the federal government. Wow. She has also worked for the Pentagon's U.S. Cyber Command, served as senior director for the counterterrorism on the National Security Council during the Obama years, and has done security work for banking giant Morgan Stanley. Hmm. This one is actually interesting because I wonder if she had any overlap with Chris Miller. Well, I was thinking about Mike Rogers, too, with the NSA. As I said earlier, I'm comfy. Yeah, but you're also awfully quiet now since you said that. So I wish you'd be a little well, less. Well, you've been comfy. digging over there. Yeah, which uh, digging. So I was okay. I'm digging in Trump's motion to compel discovery in the J6 case, trying to see what CISA documents he was after. So, because I'm pretty sure there was another. But in addition to the public CISA statement, there was another CISA document document he was seeking. So I was trying to the find NSC. it to see if it is that one. Yeah. The NSC Obama years is the the little fragment there I don't like, but yeah, well, you know, she was. It, it says she was a special assistant to President Barack Obama and senior director for counterterrorism at the N NSC. Mm -hmm. Like that, but well, I know I mean, Chris Miller was. Hold on, let me find this. Here, Miller served Miller served in the civil service as an inspector for the assistant to the Secretary of Defense for Intelligence Oversight from late 2017 until he was detailed to the National Security Council. Okay, so that would have been after. So he's just a defense contractor. His time at the NSC, there's no overlap there. I don't know. That Obama thing is not ideal. But everything else yeah, sounds pretty badass. Factor. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, these things go both ways, right? It's just, um, it's interesting to try to map, you know, the devolution scenario. How deep did it go in terms of getting their people into which positions? Did they just let, you know, did they did they purely concentrate on devolving that executive power to the military, combatant commanders, etc.? And you've got this national, is it solely focused on national essential functions or, you know, and in that scenario, they would sort of have these agencies boxed in and just basically let them commit all the clownish bullshit, which is kind of the first mapping when you're first introducing this CISA topic. It yeah. sounds kind of like that. Um, or is it possible that there are patriots that are actually installed at the top of some of these agencies uh, continuing to smoke out 
I don't know. Anybody below them or, or, or like controlled demolition, like narrative psychological demolition of some of these agencies too. If, if the act of stealing the election was an act of war and like how everything went down, if all these agencies are involved, I mean, again, what's better for the narrative to let them keep doing this bullshit to us while you right. just watch it all happen and, and monitor it and like record it, whatever you don't need to be involved in like every one of those agencies if you can i, I got to imagine cybercom and their capabilities is so far beyond what we can even comprehend th that yeah, they, yeah, they, they're sure. probably they're probably watching the show but not on rumble but like from my phone like hit the like my camera phone <laughs> hit the like system yeah. like like yeah get, get off monitoring my camera and go go watch go hit like guys <laughs> Which, yeah, what are we at? Kyle's like, they know everything I've looked at on F1 porn, Chuck. <laughs> they know every car's ass you've been staring at, Kyle. We have uh, 14,000 watching, a little over. But we only have about 2.87 thousand likes, guys. Judge is going to fire us in the morning. He'll be like, guys, you didn't hit the mark. Didn't yeah. hit the likes mark. This was the... <laughs> if we don't get enough likes, I will fire. If we get See, more... Ultimately... If we get more than X amount of likes, I'll fire Burning Bright. If we get less than that, I'll fire Kyle from the show. By camerally devastating. Yeah. Watch we'll us get like 100,000 uh, likes on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this whole it's a conversation, though, it's sort of onerous. We do this in a lot of different theaters where it's a very strange paradox that I don't think is a paradox when you're talking about the narrative warfare aspect of things. The irony of Donald Trump and Patriots revealing to us directly and probably years ago via things like the Q drops that there were massive psychological operations wielded against the American people and all of us. Uh, the irony is that there is obviously a degree of counter programming that has been done in the interim and that Trump's entire campaign was uh, and that's why it can be strange where ironically it's the bad news is good news refrain, right? Where you're looking at things like this and it's like, all right, well, if the deep state still does have control of CISA, but we do believe devolution guardrails are put in place, then part of that psychological operation by our side is to, like you said, John, let them continue to do what they're going to do. Keep cramming around in there. Um, I don't know if that's the case with CISA. I do personally believe that, uh, that the organization that I think does map onto that pattern is the State Department. Like everything the State Department seems to do or try to do really feels to me like truly bad actors, deep state that are siloed on this administrative island where they can't seem to get anything else going. The question is how many other islands are there? How many, how many of these agencies are truly still attempting to push forward deep state agendas and just don't have the power projection they used to and how many of them are just being narratively destroyed when they're not actually able to do any of this stuff. Were how you, many answer? Were you listening exactly to any, any of what he said there? I was thinking about Formula One. Of course you were. Paint streaks. <laughs> I was wondering. Like, sometimes I wish I'll, you would... Uh, I was wondering if I was going to ever get a chance to talk about Trump's cases. Um, yeah. Well, you were looking at some stuff show. with Trump's cases, right? If you got a little bit, if there's anything like you think is interestingly devolutiony, I'm down. 
Nothing. Nope. Damn it. So I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, so let's let's do real brief J six or we're still waiting on appeal. Yeah, there's a little bit of fake news going around from uh, mainstream media saying that Trump missed his deadline to appeal and therefore wasn't going to, but he asked for a stay. And um, I think that's what's happening is that he's getting a stay with it first. He wants the J6 case stayed, and then he'll file his appeal. There was some debate on whether or not they could actually impose a deadline of like one week after the appeals court decision. In the, J- in the J6 case on the docket, there have been no new filings at all. There's been nothing since the so since the Jack appeals Smith court actually ruled. listened finally. So Jack Smith hasn't done anything. It's not like that case is back up and speeding along. Um, documents case. Documents case. Uh, the Her report may be the best thing that ever happened to that case, and the worst thing that ever happened to Jack Smith. Um, Judge Cannon has reined that case in by telling everybody that if you're going to file something under seal. You got to ask me for permission first. So there's been a lot of filings on that docket for the past two weeks that are just like, please, Judge Cannon, can we do this thing? Um, and that's kind of funny to see. Um, there, she scheduled today a new hearing. It's going to be this Friday uh, over SIPA Section 4 filings and over defense theories. And that has to do with the motion to compel discovery and Trump getting access to classified stuff that Jack Smith doesn't want him to have access to. So they already had one hearing like last week or the week before that, w- that was much longer. This Friday is going to be a follow-up hearing. Um, and uh, there was an order that came out where she denied Trump something and the media celebrated that. But her denial was not right now, maybe later. And it had to do with delaying the schedule of the case for filings, to extending the uh, giving Trump more time to make these filings because he's expecting to win the, the discovery arguments. And he's going to get all this information, all this discovery, and he wants more time to incorporate that into his motions to dismiss, which he has not filed in this case. There have been no motions to dismiss filed in the docs case. So, um, and it's because he's waiting to get all of the discovery before he files that. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on in that case. So everything's falling apart. Trump is doomed. They've got him. It's a wrap. Yeah, you know, you know there's that there was that picture going around of uh, Hillary Clinton uh, without makeup, and it was like that super scary photo that went around the other day. I didn't see it. Uh, she was like with uh, that Tedros guy in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I bring this up because we looked at it last night on um, Eye of the Storm. They brought that photo up, and it and it kind of made me think, you know, if any of these cases against Trump had the slightest bit of chance of getting him off the ballot or preventing him from winning the presidency, Hillary Clinton would be running right now. Like if there was any chance that Trump would not be the victor this November and not be even eligible to win the presidency, Hillary Clinton would have already declared candidacy, got Biden taken out, Harris taken out, and she would have Newsom as her VP, and the entire system would be working to make make it the year of Hillary. And none of that is happening. So I just think that's like a white pill there because that, that evil woman would take advantage of that situation, and it just tells you that 
these cases, not even the deep state believes that these cases against Trump are going to succeed. We talked about on Sunday night, I think it was Sunday night, Kyle, right? We, we discussed, uh, I liked Jonathan Turley's article he put out last week where he was referencing the Trump campaign that, sorry, the Trump trials um, as attrition and attrition mindset rather than a uh, resolution yeah. mindset. Or I don't know if that was Wednesday, but we were, uh, you know, basically the idea being that they, we think in binary terms a lot of the time. So we think about whether or not Trump will be found guilty or innocent in these various cases uh, or whether they'll be appealed up to SCOTUS, which is certainly possible. But Turley was saying, you know, an equally viable, if not maybe even probable outcome with many of these is that Trump is just fighting a war of attrition. They know they don't have anything. They're, they've purely been bringing these cases to try to damage him narratively. And that at the first sign that somebody like Jack Smith can drop um, these charges, they will. If they have the narrative yeah. shielding to drop those charges and the shielding scenario that Turley puts forth is Trump being inaugurated as the next president, <laughs> president would sort of allow these otherwise deep state DOJ actors to go, well, we tried to get him like. But now it would just be yeah. really damaging for the country. And so we're not saying that he's innocent, but we're going to we're going to drop the case for the good of the American people. I I like I like Tur Turley's position on that. And it just reminds me of how Trump is playing an infinite game and they're playing a finite game. Yeah. Right. So Trump just has to keep playing that infinite game mm -hmm. because they're just game has to keep walking into the courtroom knowing that he's innocent and yeah. they can just do yeah. whatever they want. Has your opinion on how this plays out changed at all, Kyle, over the last like month or so with with the, the appeal stuff going on and how you know the judge in in the documents case has kind of stopped putting up with bullshit? Like, do do you see this playing out any differently than you thought before? Um, no, I still think that. I mean, one thing that has changed is that I'm more and more convinced that the docs case is about crossfire hurricane documents. Um. I really think that Trump made copies of I think those copies of the crossfire hurricane binder that uh, Solomon made, they got those copies were in the Oval Office somewhere and they got shoved into boxes and taken to Mar-a-Lago. Um, and that's what the spillage of documents is. Um, yeah. But I still think that um, Trump is the bait in the trap and Jack Smith is after him. And um, I still think that um, it's all a fairly elaborate sting. Um, there's just way too many parallels between Trump's cases and the her report and Biden's case. And um, I think that there are some evil people who are trying to take Trump out that are involved in these cases. And that's by design. And they think they many of them probably thought they were going to have an opportunity to get Trump and they fell for it. And in the end, they they end up exposing themselves and Trump wins. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of precedents with them that are supposed to be set. I think that the raid on Mar-a-Lago is a precedent that Trump wanted set. He made he made the raid happen. Yeah. Uh, that, that It didn't have to play out that way. He invited it. He wanted it to happen. Um, and I think he wanted these indictments to happen as well. So I think, I think that- Fanny would, I th sorry. Um, I think Fannie Willis is a political operative who's trying to, um, you know, she's about herself and, yeah. but she made, she made key mistakes as these people always do. And, um, 
she uh, she's gonna she's gonna fail uh, bigly. Uh, there's gonna be a new there's gonna be another hearing in that case, by the way, before the judge makes a decision, most likely. Um, I was gonna bring her up of- to say that she's she's an example of where we've floated maybe half jokingly six months ago talking about Jack Smith, like you know, sometimes these people are helping Trump so much by proxy with these cases that you play the game of whether or not they're doing it on purpose. Seeing Fannie Willis on the stand last week and how mimetic that was and how genuinely retarded she seemed really made me think that this is more, again, net effects are the same for Trump, but it looked like these are swamp creatures. They have been baited maybe into these positions. Uh, You know, it's not like it's not like Trump put himself in this baited trap and they sent their absolute best destroyers after him. It's like the DOJ sent <laughs> the worst clowns that were the most compromised. And Willis is a good example of that. It's like it's almost like she did think that she was going to come out of this with, you know, a whole head of political steam, a whole lot more of oh, daddy's yeah. cash. Well, and that's, what, that's, what Soros, that's what Soros' money buys. Like. Yeah. You're not going to get good good people with integrity who are going to carry out the Soros mission of getting Trump. You're going to well, get people like Fannie Usually Willis. it works, though. Yeah, yeah usually yeah. it worked in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, was it, there it some, ain't working anymore, not against Trump. Was there something specific you were interested in if I just I was just curious. I mean, the, the, the binder thing, the, that development and how that has played out, and I, I'm not necessarily talking about the Schellenberger reporting, but it is back in the news, and I think if they did actually have a source, whether or not it's it's an, the original source who already broke this or whatever, I think it's interesting that now we have both sides coming out with a story. We had the left come out with that the original story, like, hey, something's up with this binder. Nobody knows where it is. It's Trump's fault. And then the Schellenberger comes out and says, hey, that binder, remember, this is what's in there. And I think we're, we haven't seen the end of that. We're, so, the, people wanted to be reminded, both sides, and they wanted to get out ahead of something. And so yeah. I think... I think we're going to get something big on the binder here in the coming weeks or months or whatever before the election, probably. Um, whether that's from Trump's cases, I don't know. But you know, Jack Smith when he when he started this whole thing off, I thought it was bullshit. I mean, I, I was honestly surprised that he actually even indicted, but it was all about the narrative anyway. Um, and I think that's why they're pushing for conviction. Like they they realized at the time that even indicting him wasn't enough. It doesn't matter. We need to get a conviction on him, even if it gets overturned on appeal. It doesn't matter. We need that conviction. But it doesn't look like he's going to get any of that. Um, So, yeah, I'm just curious to see where this goes from here, what your thoughts are, if any of that has changed since then. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. It's, I don't know. It's great. I'm really enjoying watching the left realize that Garland isn't the deep state asset they thought he was. And certainly not the effective deep state asset they wanted. I, I I am loving it. Uh, as they they slowly realize that and tell their readers about that because you know they do that the left the left media they will program their readers their audience up one way and then as it starts to fall apart they have to deprogram them and they they try to let them down easy and then move on to the next program yep. and that's happening right now with Garland where they're deprogramming it them. And be like, oh, yeah, we told you Garland was great and should have been on the Supreme Court. But actually, he's slow and unwilling to make decisions. And he's not aggressive enough as an AG. And um, he's, you know, maybe Biden shouldn't have picked him. And now now they're starting that line. Sounds like Robert Mueller. 
they they yep. pulled all that with him where they're like he's gonna get him he's the oh, one yeah. and then they're like they he's a doofus him. he was always dumb the whole time but but yep. there's a, there's a flip side of this though guys that whether and it doesn't matter whether garland is good or bad at some point you can only do so much with somebody when he hasn't actually committed any crimes like you can <laughs> <Right>. only <laughs> yeah you can only do You're so right. many things <laughs> like the truth at some point is going to be revealed that okay yeah he was innocent the whole time like they, they've done a lot yeah. of bullshit against trump for how innocent yeah. this guy actually is you know what i mean oh for in sure. that respect for sure. garland's garland's definitely been a an asshole whether he's a white hat or not i don't know <laughs> well that's that's why though i actually to that point john it's it's the other side of why i really liked the way turley framed things last week with the attrition word because if you're looking at this through the eyes of as it's being presented the doj is genuinely hunting down donald trump merrick garland etc all the rest of them they're all deep state they're after him to your point trump is innocent so there's only so much they can do they know if they they know if they go all the way forward with a conviction if they get that conviction they they just go right up to scotus they set precedents in ways that they probably fear to set and get egg on their face all that kind of stuff right and the attrition mindset or the attrition framing, you can use that on Trump's side and say, Trump has the truth on his side. He is in a war for attrition. As Kyle said, he's playing an infinite game and he knows he's against finite players in the game board. But what's funny is also from the framing of Merrick Garland, the deep state asset, they're also in this attrition mindset because they're they're weighing the they're weighing the consequences of going all the way with a battle that they know they can't win and it, it in that framing it almost looks like a game of chicken where mm -hmm. they're going all the way and it's like they know trump is fully committed because they know damn well just as long just as well as trump knows that he's innocent so it's this game of chicken where you're just wondering you know the attrition like kyle just said with the media they let their readers down easy you wonder if that's what some of these deep state assets are thinking about. Like, where is my off ramp from prosecuting Donald Trump when I know we cannot win these cases? Are they really going to make sure it goes all the way to the Supreme Court? Are they actually going to the end game or are they going to try to find ways out of these cases? Speaking of Supreme Court, they took up that 18 USC 1512 case about the definition of corruptly as applied to the obstruction charge in J6 cases and Trump's case. And watch the Supreme Court issue a ruling in June that causes those charges to be dropped in hundreds of J6 cases and in Trump's cases. And suddenly, Jack Smith has lost at the Supreme Court again, and the DC DOJ has lost at Supreme Court, and all hundreds of J6 uh, uh, people have have those charges dropped and i mean talk about a huge narrative win and actual win at the same time for maga and you know i, th I think that might be the most reing we see the media and the left do since roe v wade was overturned that would be i mean can you imagine what the just think of the the mainstream media trying to explain to their viewers whatever number of viewers they have left like Oh yeah, guys, all those thousands of insurrection cases or whatever from J6 that we had been telling you about that Trump caused. Yeah, they're all getting out now because yep. 
they were improperly charged. Like that, that would be yep. that'd be massive. They know it's coming. Debunking the narrative. Yeah, they yeah. know it's coming because ever since that case went to appeals, do a year ago, DOJ prosecutors stopped bringing that obstruction charge. Nobody has been charged under that statute since like April of 2023 or Off earlier. They know they realized it. They're like, oops, we've been caught. They know yeah. that the Supreme Court is going to, they're going to yeet those charges. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. All right, let's um, let's get into, unless you guys have anything else, I want to get to the chip stuff at least. Okay. Burning Bright, I'll let you, um, if you want to lead. Uh, all I have is, a, unless you had something else, I just had a um, pretty small one. It came out of Bloomberg. Let me see if I can get the archive version of this. I can get it up here, I think. Okay. Didn't you send it to me? Yeah. Oh, I've got a zero head version of it. Zero head version of it. Here we go. I'll share my screen. Right. So there's a there's a few articles going around, but this was the biggest one. Pre market trading in New York. Uh, so here's the headline: Intel share Intel shares higher on reports of ten billion dollars in Chip Act incentives. Um, basically, this is all about. Largest award to date under the Biden administration's $53 billion CHIPS initiative to revitalize domestic semiconductor production. People familiar with the matter said negotiations with the Commerce Department and Intel are underway. The funding package is expected to be a combo of loans and directed grants. Um, so the act's been around for two years. Uh, there was something in here. Okay, so this is some of the stuff we've been talking about for a few months in terms of the, the switch theory and sort of how the timeline seemed to be leading us to a really, really good 2025 and 2026 economically. These, uh, these factories that they're talking about here is a huge part of why. Bloomberg noted Intel is building a $20 billion facility in, o in Ohio, undergoing a $20 billion expansion in Arizona, and investing $3.5 billion in New Mexico. This is amidst, this is amidst bidding. So, so this is Intel, obviously, U.S. company. They've got these builds going already, and a lot of these are going to start bringing jobs in 2025 on the early side, 26, 27, et cetera, right? High-paying, onshoring jobs. Other agent or other companies, the biggest one that comes to mind is Samsung and then TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor. They are now at the point where through the CHIPS Act, they are bidding on build projects in the United States. So we've got Korean and Taiwan technology companies that are actively bidding in order to build factories in the U.S. that they can only staff with U.S. employees. So one of the one of the original like mind blowing things that I had seen when I was first looking into the Chips Act was just the idea that even though we all know that semiconductors are in everything and that computer chips are important. It's the most traded commodity in the world by far, more than oil. It's kind of crazy. I had no idea. More than oil, more than grain, anything like that, semiconductors. They make the entire modern world run. And the U.S. has been behind the eight ball and all this kind of stuff. So it's just fascinating that Biden's accelerating all, all this stuff. Um, some of these projects seem to have been experiencing some delays that are leading them toward 2025 and 2026 debuts, which I also think <laughs> is funny because it's like, 
well, no, these, these are good, but we don't want the actual benefits of them to be hitting prior to November 2024. Um, so anyway, you know, I thought it was good. It, it was kind of a white pill. You know, I'm not saying Intel is the best company in the world or anything like that, but it's certainly meaningful that it's a legacy American brand that is getting these initial contracts. I think that that's meaningful in terms of the transition and sort of transformation of the globalist economy. Remember, companies like Intel, American companies like Intel, have been incentivized for the past 20 years to do a ton of their production overseas in Taiwan and in China. And strangely enough, Xi Jinping is helping Joe Biden with a lot of these yeah. initiatives by doing his fair share of onshoring Chinese production and kicking out a lot of these companies such as Intel. So yeah, yeah they're making it's, uh, they're making decisions based on like 10, 20, 50 year right. timelines. Like they're not right. doing this like based on just like the current president. They're seeing a big yeah. shift in China and America and they're investing into that shift, right? I also there's a flip side of this which is interesting after what just happened in New York and Kevin O'Leary's been all over the mainstream media lately talking about it. All these factories that are coming, they are no longer going to start looking at the big blue cities because of the bullshit they yep. just pulled. They will yep. they're going to be investing in in red states because yep. of them going after Trump, which is fascinating yep. to think about the ramifications of that. So you, you know, John, to, to to that point, besides red states, um, you know, that article right there with Intel confirmed twenty billion twenty billion dollars in Ohio. Another rumor is that, uh, well, these aren't rumors. I mean, these are these are investor calls. They're talking about this stuff. They're bidding on this stuff actively, right? So it's well beyond the rumor phase. Companies like Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor, they're eyeing upstate New York. So while it's a blue state, that's all red, right? We, we, we've all seen the maps of the, even in the blue states, the counties, the swaths of counties, especially in that rust belt of New York, Ohio, into Illinois, that that's all been devastated by these blue policies. So you're absolutely right that they're driving that business out of the blue cities, but they're putting it in blue states and it's going to redify these blue states. Like it's going to bring these manufacturing jobs back to the Rust Belt. Uh, Trump, what the other big initiative, I think, um, you know, the semiconductor industry has been driving a lot of the economic headlines. As Kyle said, you know, 10 years, we're thinking 10 years down the line, that's probably going to be the key vector of sort of the next boom of American manufacturing, I think, that kind of technology. But Trump has also focused on the car industry. And I really think that another thing he's going to spin up is making Detroit the Motor City again. He's talked about a lot of that stuff again. And what's kind of funny is while we have these Trumpian policies that I saw people in the chat accurately pointing out the CHIPS Act was a Trump act, um, didn't say that earlier, but we've said it before that Biden continued. Biden's orders about the green energy projects are falling apart. So there's been headlines in the last couple of weeks. I know Ash has been doing a lot of writing on this on the Badlands Substack about Biden withdrawing funding and withdrawing grants from the EV push because nobody wants it. Americans don't want EVs. They're, they're slashing their prices. We don't have the infrastructure for it. They are not environmentally sound. And they're um, it, it, like uh, consumers are being completely spooked by it because they've got 80% higher maintenance costs and all this kind of stuff. So even that, we're seeing like this huge whiplash and all the narrative damages on Biden for trying to warp speed us into the EV future. And then Trump comes back and he's like, 
hey guys, how about we just build American cars in Detroit again? Can we do that? And it's going to seem like this magical change. Okay. I want to I want to talk about something really quick. Uh, going back to the chip stuff, the, I, I would argue the chips is much more important than, and the semiconductor industry is much more important than the cars. It is for sure. Especially like, yeah. especially if you think Bitcoin and all these other things that could potentially be part of the plan, right? Yeah. So let me show you, let me show you something and, and how it relates to, th this is an article. I, f I found this last week and I forgot to show you. I'm going to show you now. Check this out. This is an article from February 25th of 2022, right at the launch of the invasion, right? Because it was, that was like February, right? Or March of 2022? Yeah, February. Yeah. Okay. Check this out. Chip makers need a supply chain that avoids Ukraine. The semiconductor industry's usual source of neon gases left production vulnerable to geopolitical crises and other disruptions. The crisis in Ukraine is a stark reminder of a major flaw in the chip industry's global supply chain, single sourcing for critical supplies. As Russia launched an all-out attack against Ukraine early Thursday, semiconductor makers and tech hardware manufacturers were confronting the prospect that a protracted conflict would interrupt the exports of neon gas, a relatively obscure yet vital component of the chip-making process. Ukraine is the leading global supplier of purified neon gas used in the majority of advanced chip-making and on and on. So think of wow, the... That's interesting. Yeah, think of what this... Okay, so let's just say Trump and them know long-term, like chips are where it's at, but right now everything's based in, in um, Taiwan, where China mm -hmm. might be invading, and everything is... 70% of the neon gas used is in Ukraine. How do you yeah. bring that stuff home while you're gone? Like, it, could that have been one of the side reasons that Russia invaded? Like, it's forcing chip production to be brought home. Well, and with when a, you with a Bitcoin future potentially, right? When when you, it's it's interesting, especially when you bring up Taiwan there, because if you even go back further in time, you you think uh, before sovereign alliance and patriot framing, you think of. What is it about these places that the deep state loves? Um, that's certainly a big part of it, right? Any proxy state, they, they have a lot of different um, actuals they can forward there. But if they control the production of neon gas and then, well, would you look at that? The other huge proxy of the deep state on the game board appears to be Taiwan. And they're the ones making the chips. Ukraine's supplying the gas. The deep state controls both of them. So, yeah, that's... Um, and. Maybe this is a, uh, if we are moving into this future, maybe it's just another little, another little detail that maps onto a potential reunification, successful reunification between China and Taiwan. I mean, who knows? Or at, or at the very least, uh, an opening of um, uh, a convergence of relations there, like trade relations there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the chip stuff with the tech behind Bitcoin. Is it, I haven't thought about that angle before, but it, that, that's a very interesting one. Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Uh, I wanted to actually share one more line from this article too. Okay. Um, that, so this came from the Wall Street Journal. Um, so they're talking about Bi Biden's CHIPS Act. Quote, the program did very little for the last two years besides driving an AI and chatbot hype cycle. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reports expects a wave of CHIPS funding to finally be allocated. So basically, you know, the framing of this is interesting. Biden signed this two years ago and or a year and a half ago, at least. And all the funding has been held up the whole time throughout his administration. Nothing. It's just all been a hype cycle. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we go. 
leading up to the 2024 election, CHIPS funding goes out, but it's not going to have measurable impacts on the U.S. economy until 2025, circa Trump 2.0. That's crazy, man. So neon is an extremely rare resource on Earth. Yeah. But it's abundant in space. In Mars or the moon or what? No, Saturn, Jupiter, other gas giants. Elon Musk. So Elon Musk. There he talks go. a lot. I have I don't I don't recall him mentioning neon, but he talks a lot about how um the best way to conserve the resources we have on Earth is to get resources from outside of Earth and bring them here. That's right. I like it. Coder Coder just said neon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But but I'm ser like seriously. Um, I wonder if uh, that's one of the things on Elon's mind is that chip manufacturing in the future, like many many years in the future, many years. We're not we're not gonna we're gonna run out of neon at some point if we only use resources we gather here on Earth. Well, I think I think I saw that like you they get the neon gas from like old school steel plants and like it's a byproduct of the process they use in those. Yeah. So the, I okay. saw Ash saying I saw Ash saying in the chat. I mean, maybe you know. If you've got people you know there, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong about saying that not all these jobs are going to Americans or a lot of these jobs are not uh, built into a lot of these contracts. The, so specifically, uh, I know for a fact that the contracts that are being negotiated with uh, Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor, um, they are American, American on, onshoring and American employees is a huge part of those contracts. So it's like the irony of these headlines is that, or the irony of these contracts is again, that the biggest international, like Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor have GDPs that exceed a lot of sovereign nations. And they are now bidding for the right to give Americans jobs. So, I mean, maybe there's some of this stuff in Arizona that's going to foreign foreign jobs, but in order to be, in order to be eligible for a lot of the funding in these programs, it's about American jobs. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the other side of that, but that's at least the contract negotiations that are going into this Ohio and especially the, um, the Rust Belt, Buffalo, New York. Maybe Trump comes in to, to, to your point though, if, if that hasn't been what's been happening under Biden, it is more narrative damage, right? He promises the chips act. He promises that it's going to bring all these American jobs in and American manufacturing Maybe something Trump does when he goes back in there is saying, I'm going to do this right. And now we're going to get the American jobs in here. Either way, it was a Trump act that Biden was the one who pushed through. Awesome. Yep. You guys, um, I got, if you guys are good to, uh, we should do the boost and then actually I'm going to do, I'm going to do our final sponsor real quick, which is us. And then I'll, uh, and we'll get to the boosts. You got the badlands shop everybody in today's fast-paced world peace of mind is priceless that's where badlands media steps in preparing for life's uncertainties is about being ready for anything right where you are welcome to the badlands media shop we've partnered with patriot companies offering products that empower you to prepare for any eventuality comfortably from your home the badlands shop is everything you need to secure your peace of mind browse the virtual aisles prepare your family for the year ahead with products you can trust from companies that share your values whether it's growing your own food or prepping long-term storage, protecting your family or stocking up on emergency supplies, we've got you covered. Get prepared. Visit the Badlands Media shop at badlandsmedia.tv shop today 
Every purchase supports a freedom-loving business as well as Badlands Media. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash shop. And we thank you for your continued support. I also want to play a quick 25-second video, a little calendar promo. You guys got to check out the artwork on this calendar. Go get it. Andy's, we're working pretty closely with Andy 5x5. We're going to be getting some posters rolled out here soon. Um, his artwork is just phenomenal. But here we go. Got some boost for us, man. I do. Uh, Walking the Path just sent a $17 boost over with no message, but thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, v Wild sent 50 bucks over, said, John, this was from last week, calling you oh. out, John. Uh-oh. Instead of bitching about the paywall, use their tags in your own post to direct people looking for free info to Badlands. Then people will discover real news and discussion. Nah, I'm going to bitch about the bullshit yeah, they did. We can do both. <laughs> Can bitch if we want to bitch. Uh, Rainbow, well, thank you for the boost either way. Rainbow mm-hmm. said, uh, sent 25 over, said, John, you're right. It's unacceptable, but had to be this way. Slow rollout. It's maddening for those who know. It's maddening to those who've been following it since before Trump came down that escalator. They've got it behind a paywall, just shows they're still working in the old way of profit over truth. Another way to look at it is the lamestream also had this info, but wouldn't put it out because they're still paid by the globalist handlers. Um, Schellenberg yeah. is at least getting it out to a wider audience, still a bunch of normies, but more and more it'll crawl out. It's cool that Jesse Waters is talking. Um, yeah, Dan Bongino has come around. I stopped listening to him because I got sick of his normie take, but he's learning. A lot of people are learning still. Just pray things turn around and get better within my lifetime. Bless you and Kate for making this network, and bless all the Badlanders. We are the news now. Thank you. Much appreciated. Holy shit, we have five kids. Sends five bucks over. <laughs> Says middle middle aged mama of five, listening consistently for a long time. I appreciate your work so much. It's so hard to wade through the messaging these days, especially for young people. I deal with this all the time with my teens and talk to them as much as possible about social and world issues. Make the madness stop. I'm always looking for the light and trying to stay positive, but it is so hard. Do you guys think we need to do more like reviews of the devolution stuff? I've had a few comments recently, like about this show and maybe some of our other shows like it might be difficult for people to like just start and like understand what's going on you know what i mean i could see like a state of devolution right i think state of state of the devolution state of devolution we could time it with the state of the union (laughs) it's coming up soon i like it i'll go suit shopping or something what do you mean like go through the articles again Maybe not the articles, but just more of a recap. I've also been kicking around like doing a a solo show like once a week, and I've been trying to figure out like what I want to do it on. And what was that? Nobody's gonna watch that. Time slots are all taken up, man. Yeah, probably. But I don't know if I can just do it there, just like recap stuff from my articles, and I don't know. Or I could do something else, but I don't know. I could just we could just play the rant every now and then because that was it's a it's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll kick that around, but yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, the state of devolution idea is basically like you know you just asked Kyle earlier has anything changed with his his conception of these cases and the direction of it? 
kind of just like an update. I mean, I know that's what this show is, but more of a macro. We're three. We're almost at the end of the Biden administration. Did it meet your expectations? Was it everything you thought it would be? Dude, Devo, ask me anything. I should just do a call-in show. And you guys can ask what, yeah. what you want to know. There we go. Thanks. Idea. Great idea. All right. One more. We got one more boost here. PJW Nurse Penny sent 100 bucks over tonight. Ooh. Much appreciated. And says, I'm so glad to be an early supporter of Badlands. The feeling of family in the chats and ability to interact with the contributors is invaluable. In my opinion, this format is what every news source should be. John won me over during the X-22 podcast and the original Liberty Den with Kate and Beer seemed like a lifetime ago. Devolution.link and Patrick reading it in the beginning got me hook, line, and sinker. Garch virt Garts virtually is all I can do at this point, but if you get close to the Northwest Ohio area, I'll be all in. I believe you all are exactly what, what we need going forward. Would like to include Badlands in my will. <laughs> Let me know if that could be done down the ro road. <laughs> Yes. For now, rants and boos are like love out. taps from mom. I'm so happy that both Kyle and BB and Kate are Q believers and that John comes from another direction entirely. You're all amazing, each in your own way. Where we go one, we go all is a hell of a lot more than just an inscription on a ship's bell. Love that. That was a great rant. Yeah, it was. Um, so two much. things. I, I love how specific she was. If you ever come to the Northwest... Northwest, northwest corner of ohio. ohio i wonder if she lives <laughs> i doubt in it. northwest ohio <laughs> i doubt it but but also yes if you would like to put us in your will um that'd yeah. be cool because i don't think i'm in my parents so i'd love for somebody to put me in <laughs> <a while. laughs> yeah just kidding anyway um i'm in your parents will thank you everybody <laughs> probably you're gonna, guys you're gonna i like, do want to before mom. i forget i want to uh make a correction this is uh this is this is a tough day for me, but I if I want to be the change I want to see. Yeah, what'd you do? Glamdring, the sword of Gandalf, did not belong to Ecthelion of the Fountain in the first age of Middle-earth. It belonged to Turgon. I want to know who corrected you. I, I thought of it. I corrected myself because I was like, I, I feel like there's something wrong here. The sword of Ecthelion of the Fountain was actually Orchrist which Gandalf also wielded, but he had wielded it decades earlier during the events of The Hobbit. He wields Glamdring during the events of The War of the Ring. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. It's unacceptable. Um, I, I got to say, man, I am just so utterly thankful that you took the time to correct that mm -hmm. mistake. That was that probably would have haunted me. Confused the second son of Fingolfin with Ecthelion of the Fountain. I mean... <laughs> It's oh, what a loser. I can't believe you did that. But uh, anyway. anyway, let's let's move on. We we shall survive this this error. Oh, I can read the rants unless you want to. Or Kyle, why don't we ever make Kyle read? I don't have him. We make him read Doc. <laughs> he was he paying attention. <laughs> no, I, don't have I was looking at Toledo and thinking about whether or not we should do a Garth there and whether or not Toledo, Indianapolis. Huh? You know, Indianapolis around Memorial Day, that's a pretty good time to go to oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Is there like an F1 race there or something? He's trying to... The Indy 500, you know. Why would we do a comment set? <laughs> Can you imagine the hotel price? Yeah, so what we could do... <laughs> Kyle's like, but I will get that taken care of, <laughs> is what he's saying here. No, he I won't. see. He won't do that. <laughs> anyway, okay. Aussie Sharon 74, keeping Aussies grounded. Thank you for what you do. 
Virgin Australia CEO just stood down. Our biggest supermarket chain CEO just stood down and nothing is happening. Thank you for that rant. Wild War 17. Remember that time when Pence talked to Tucker about problems in the USA were not his concern? This concern was Ukraine. That was awesome. Thank you for that positive and constructive and probably full of misinformation rant, Wild Boar. Not, not exactly what he said, but okay. He's close, maybe. Wild Boar's been, uh, he's been having a lot of whiplash lately. He was like dooming two weeks ago, then last week he was in a great mood, and man, you never know with that one. Yeah, but we appreciate you, man. Yeah. Uh, Ventoso says, happy to see you three. Your other co-host, Chris P., is lighting shit up. Rant with some dem on truth. Wanting to debate him was pretty hysterical. Chris is a beast. And let's go Barbie movie. I can't believe you're doing the Barbie movie. It's great. I don't know you, if it meant to be great. You think the Barbie movie is great? Well, here's if the thing. you watch Here, it through the framing of Ken, Ryan Gosling's performance as Ken, basically they try to make it a feminist movie about how bad men are. Because Ken gets to go to the real world and discovers the patriarchy. Can I ask you a and question? He thinks it's great. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. What inspired you? Like, what was the genesis of you watching that movie in the first place? Since you're the one who's already watched it and are bringing it to Story Hour. So I'm a bit of an insomniac. And one of the things I do, since I'm interested in movies, is movies that I will not pay to go to the theater to see or stream or anything like that, but that make some sort of impact on pop culture. I consider it researching the mind of our enemy from a subversive communist lens. I will download them and I watch them on double or triple speed on my computer. And that's what I did with Barbie. And uh, I ended up actually ironically enjoying myself. It was. Why are you gay? Ryan Gosling as Ken in this movie is hilarious. He finds he finds out that the patriarchy like that the Barbies have all been complaining about is great. And he wants to join it when he goes to the real world. He's like, men are just better in every way. So I think it was fourth wave feminist trying to talk about how bad men were. But Ken is just the most likable character in the movie. So you just come out of it being like, the men are great. Put the shovel down, bro. And women are the worst. <laughs> blue haired, it, it's, it's, it's speaking to the blue haired land whale contingent. Um, so just to clarify the this. Blue haired land whale contingent. <laughs> you, you know downloaded I didn't and know watched. What you're talking about. You downloaded and watched Barbie by yourself. Yeah. In like the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. just, okay. My cat was here. Okay, the cat was there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that good glad you clarified. Dude. All right, man. Um, now Chris has to watch it, so Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's just get let's It's a test. Continue. If you watch Barbie and like it unironically, then you're a communist. If you like it ironically, then you're based. I feel like if you, you watch, don't it watch it at all. It, you're just scared. As a guy, you're gonna face your fears. I just have no, I have no desire to watch that. Show. But whatever. Hey, man. I, I respect the dedication to research. I, I just don't believe that, that story. <laughs> You'll never understand the inverted mind of the blue-haired Landwell contingent unless you subject yourself to this film. Isn't there a quote about that? Like, um, oh, well, it's Ender's Game. Have you seen that show? 
that would be a good one for you. That's a great. It's based book. on a best-selling sci-fi novel, yep. but yeah, I've seen yeah, the show, John. Yeah, whatever. I've never, I've never seen the show. I don't want to. The book it, is too important. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I saw the book before, or saw the movie before I heard about the book, the book, and then I was like, oh, I already know how this ends. I don't need to read it now. Um, but in there, there's a quote about like if you, there's a moment where you understand your enemy, and in that moment you love them, mm-hmm. but then you ultimately destroy them. But you are eventually going to fall in love with a blue-haired whale, Bernie Bright. Oh, no. <laughs> the Ouroboros will complete. I don't think so. I'm not at risk of that. I don't know. Just be careful trying to understand your enemy a little too much. Because <laughs> you may uh, not like the consequences of that. I just, I thought it was, the reason I, another reason, I, honestly, that I was kind of drawn to, out of curiosity to watch it, is that the memes that were coming out when this movie came, when this movie debuted, obviously it made a ton of money, were dominated by hashtag Kennergy. Like all the memes were about Ken. And apparently <laughs> in norm on the normie internet, I mean. Okay, you're, okay. And and um like Instagram and everything else. And I thought it was interesting because the feminists who were pushing the movie and who wrote the movie and the all the feminist media, they hated all those memes and basically people had come out of the movie that got dragged there with their wives or girlfriends or something. And they came out of it dressing like Ken and like hailing the patriarchy. So (laughs) everything they were trying to comment on people just embraced. They were like, well, yeah, we should bring the patriarchy back. So I just thought it was funny that they sort of, they made the patriarchy more powerful. Okay. If Chris comes out of that and is like, yeah, I actually like the movie. (laughs) That'll be my like gay vibe check, whether or not it's gay to watch it. And then I'll, okay then i'll check it out maybe we'll see i'll ask chris have, have you asked him yet if, if he enjoyed it he hasn't watched it yet i think <laughs> he's gonna rope his lady into watching it with him gotcha okay anyway let, we'll we'll move on from talking about <laughs> about barbie um aussie sharon again says we're headed to the f1 in melbourne in march feeling well equipped with technical talking points thanks to kyle man i'm so jealous it's definitely a bucket list race for me and destination. They made some changes oh to that That'd track cool. in the past couple of years and it made it so much better than it used to be. It's great, man. Have fun. That's awesome. Don't go swimming there. <laughs> or I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get started. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I would not I would, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Don't do anything in Australia, really, that is like yeah. outside of the bounds of it's a great your, it's a great track though the track yeah. is built around a park like it's a park with a big pond in the middle of it and they turned it into it's a street track but it's also like a park instead of being on like the streets it's actually like around a park and uh it's a really interesting track it's very technical one of the things about it that's really cool is that like the trees around it um the leaves are sometimes an issue on track because of grip and um the shade from the trees keeps some parts of the track cooler than other parts. So it gets trickier in some braking zones and acceleration zones because the temperature of the track is several degrees hotter or cooler compared to other corners. Does sound tricky, man. 1027JS, good evening. Good evening, Joe. Thank you. Case Sonnenberg, cayenne pepper in your coffee grounds is a game changer. Never heard of that. Hmm. Sounds a little sus. I was told I I'm saying it. it's it's Aussie Sharon, not Aussie Sharon. 
But Virgin Australian CEO Jane Hidrilica from USA just stood down. Her husband was head of corporate and investment banking Australian and New Zealand at Wells Fargo before he died suddenly in 2022. Thank you for all these rants, Sharon. Annie Sue, pour over is superior to French press. Don't get Kyle started. I respect pour over. I like it, and I've done it a few times, but French press is my reference. <laughs> pour like over, you can, only, you can only prepare one <laughs> you can only prepare one cup at a time. You know, I got to... Yeah. I need a pot that seems coffee, weird. not just a cup. I was watching Yellowstone last week, and one of the Dutton sons goes into a cafe in Montana and orders a coffee and somebody starts doing the pour over and he's like what are you doing she's like oh i'm making your coffee and he's like just get me a coffee <laughs> she's doing this and then like it's steeping or you know just dripping into his cup and he tries to take it she's like i really think you should let that settle she's like fuck you throws the money at her <laughs> like i was like I, I get it i understand that's funny what, what season are you on i'm on season three it's nice. still good so far. I've heard some people think it kind of goes a little off the rails, but I don't know if I made good. it that far. But granted, it gets a bit repetitive. Like at each season, it's like who's coming after the ranch this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Annie Sue follows it up with French press should stay in the closet. I think referring to you, Burning Bright. But hey, at this point, you watch Barbie. You're already out of the closet. Might as well keep the French press out of there too, huh? I'm taking testosterone tests before and post watch, and we're gonna see. We're gonna put this to the test. <laughs> okay. I'm also going to inject myself with testosterone during the movie. Well, hey, just take some force. You didn't send me any. Okay. Matt didn't send you any. He's supposed to. I'll get on his ass for that. Yeah. Um. Diane Lee, love you guys. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Diane. Cindy B. If John is correct and Pence is the choice for VP, what framing would be necessary to get MAGA to embrace that choice? How much disclosure? Doesn't Trump matter. said it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. VP choice has no impact. And I point one. Point one. I would say um that may that may not necessarily be true every election, but I think this election, especially, egg specially. Egg specially. Eggs egg specially. That is not true. It doesn't matter. Trump also said Pence never did anything knowingly wrong in his life. Yeah. Also, Pence that. was right on J6 and Trump was wrong, and everybody needs to just come to terms with that. And, and Trump's narrative was wrong. Yeah. And Trump said wrong. Trump said Vivek is not mega, guys. Right. Said that. Um, Woohoo two eight eight. Do you think that the money the deep state wants for Ukraine is the money they need to rig the election? Just general laundering. They better not let it go through the DOD because Storch is tracking every dime of that. So, yeah. or maybe they should. Maybe they should let it go yeah. through there so Storch can track it. Whose side are you on? <laughs> Wait a minute. No. What am I saying? <laughs> the deep state. It's like, oh no. Abort. And then Woohoo two eight eight says, "How is devolution helping us right now?" And that's a great question. And I'm going to save that. I think because that is not a quick answer i have the quick version of it is that it really you don't have a quick version of anything i know i knew i knew it was coming it's that it's maintaining it's making sure we have a country to return trump to here, here, devolution if, was not there. national essential functions it's all here's, about national essential functions 
here's what I'd encourage you to do. And I think I'm going to do a call-in show. I, I love that idea, whoever suggests that in the chat. But then you can ask questions like this. But go to my true social profile, and the pin post on there is an episode uh, Burning Bright and I did right after, um, gosh, what was it? The, it was right after the midterms, I think. And it was, it was a great episode. Was in November 2022? Yeah, yeah, we did a pretty good overview of right. everything. And I guess it's not really answering the question, well, how's it helping? Right but it kind of does. It gets into the NES in more detail. And I would definitely... Well, we, um, you addressed a lot of misconceptions about devolution in that one, which yeah. I think is good. Sometimes by addressing the misrepresentations of it, the picture of what it is and what it suggests yeah. comes clearer. Definitely. Wedge Gravy says, what do you think the worst news was Trump what do you think the worst news was Trump got first term? What do you picture his reaction? The worst news Trump got his first term. I don't know. I always think back to um, hmm. right after the election. Or it was the day of the election, the night of the election, like in the middle of the night, whatever. Whenever he came out on stage, I had never seen him so disappointed. Like he looked disappointed. Like I can't believe these assholes actually did it. Like they, they're making, they did like they're it. making us do this. They're making us do this. And, but I'm sure that wasn't the worst. That's just like, I'm yeah. picturing him and how disappointed he was when he came out. Like disappointed. Maybe the, rich, maybe, uh, the death of, uh, Richard Higgs, Richard Higgins. Higgins? Um, yeah. That was in, that was in, or was that prior 2021? I was trying. I was trying to think of something that was like a you know you, how, you can't solve for. Um, right. I'm not sure. I mean, who knows? That's a great. I think that's a great question. Um, Maybe I don't know, it I was. Think on it. Might have been the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just uh, you're telling me now for the first time. I love that meme. <laughs> he just like raises his eyebrows. He's wow. like, oh, really? I did not know that. You're telling telling me about that for the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm going to think about that. Uh, Paul's Pods and Marine Ornamentals says, I want Rand Paul for VP. Who's this O'Brien dude? Come on, bro. Aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye, aye. So that's what I'm saying. We need some sort of like recap. Go read Devolution Part 13. Devolution.link, Part 13. Check Rand's it out. one of those guys that says a lot of good things, and you know I haven't seen anything totally swampy by him, but you know th those are he's reserved in that category of I'll believe it when I see it. You know, in terms of yeah, Tam J is made out of <laughs> Tam J one 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 six says Kyle. I'm interested to know if you have read Cash Patel's Government Gangsters. I could see Grinnell. He didn't say very good things about others you talked about on Eye of the Storm. I actually haven't read that book yet. Yeah, I ha I haven't read it. I don't really plan to, to be honest. Um, I like Cash Patel a lot, but I think he's just deploying a lot of narratives that shore up one side of the narrative war. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of take it as that, and I'm okay with it. Uh, but I'm just not that interested in his book. I've been reading... Um... Higgins book the memo when I get a chance like going through it yeah. and it's pretty interesting like he's talking about his history and stuff with 9-11 and like it's giving me a different perspective on 
on him. I'm, but I'm excited to get on to like the later part of when he was actually working in the Trump administration. So, I need so to far, read that though, book. recommend it. Yeah. Um, North Carolina gal 24, please tell me how I red pill my children. 27, 29, 32, 35. Two of them have Trump deranged syndrome. They think I'm crazy. Get them on Badlands. Bring them to a GART. If a you GART can get is them, actually a good move. Get them to agree to come to a GART, and maybe we can even help with the ticket price. We're, aren't we coming to Myrtle Beach? Isn't that in the Carolina area? In Carolina itself, <laughs> South Carolina, literally, but yeah, also yes, the Carolina yes. area. Yeah, I, I was right. I need to laugh. At the last guard, I spent like two hours trying to settle an argument between the daughter and her parents about moving in with her boyfriend. So, if you need any of that, you know, if there's any sort of relationship issues, I can help with that. If you need to break up a marriage, I can help with it. If you, you know, whatever's going on with them kids. So we got you they, covered. Come they ask about red pilling their kids, but then they mentioned Trump derangement syndrome. So it sounds like what you're really asking is how to get rid of the Trump derangement syndrome. Um, Lobotomies call, work. Um, and I mean, that could they could be synonymous with red pilling in, in some ways, but it really depends on what what the basis is for them having this Trump derangement syndrome. Do they think he's a mobster working with the Russians? Do they think he's a liar and a cheat? And a philanderer, they, like what is it that is the basis of them not liking him? And that's what you got to got to address is the basis for it, and use facts and evidence to prove to them that their impression of Trump, their their assessment of him is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Every time, like one of my buddies who's like, it, when when uh, DeSantis first announced, he's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go for DeSantis. And I was like, why? Like and we were talking about that, and he brought up a lot of the Trump Trump derangement syndrome talking points about why he thinks DeSantis is better than Trump. And like every single one, it's like, well, that's not true. And I showed him. He's like, okay, yeah. well, what about this? And then, well, well, that's not true either. Showed him. And then at the end of it, he's like, well, sure, well I just, I just think we need somebody new. Like they, they've run out of excuses, but yeah. now he's like, he's, he's kind of waking up a little, like he's kind of more, he's mega now almost. He's borderline. My parents are lefties and they, uh, they mentioned the border situation tonight. They said it wasn't going so well. And I said, <laughs> yeah. they were like, you know, there's got to be some limits there. And I was like, yeah, well, who told them to surge to the border on the campaign trail? They're like, yeah, usually I get some some pushback on that. But, yeah, you just let them. They'll come back. Yeah, they'll come around. They'll come around eventually. Also, at some point, they probably just won't have a choice. Yeah. There's like, if don't force them. Don't force force feed them. They'll they'll learn on their own pace. Yeah. Power cell Tell nine nine. You don't like them as much either. Those ones. Yeah, just take them out of your will. That yeah. there you go. Like, are they bad kids? Then, what are you worried about? <laughs> you got four of them. Yeah, yeah. Just just <laughs> get rid of two of them. <laughs> uh, parenting and relationship advice from Badlands Media. Power cell ninety nine. Populist is someone who leads. From, I think they meant from, behind without core values. Just going with what is popular, Trump leads from the front and convinces population to accept his core values. You do not know how to spell from, sir. Yeah, I think also, you know, there's that thing Chris talks about a lot of Trump, you know, reflecting MAGA's views back at them. It less, I think it's less that he's like teaching 
feedback the loop. America first base, the values, and he's more reflecting and reminding us that we used to be able to just say these things out in the open. Like it used to be okay to be nationalist and sovereign and, you know, these things used to not be controversial. So I think, uh, I think one of the big draws of him early on was just that he said the shit that a lot of us think and he did it very boldly. Yeah. Miller biz for some lefties populism means nationalism, which means racism and Nazism. It's a, it's a Nazi dog whistle. I think the way they use it. Yeah. Uh, Patrick yeah, Gunnels left us a rumble rant. What? He's mad that I said he was a kiss ass. Maybe just joking, Patrick. <laughs> I just, appreciate that. This could be proof that CISA watches us because they hacked him or something. There's no way. <laughs> or proof that Patrick Gunnels is CISA. Oh, so confused, but he says best show ever. P.S. You are all gay. And only one of us watched the Barbie movie and enjoyed it. So, (laughs) but this is the best show ever. Get your angel paste, everybody. So that's probably why I did that. Thanks, Patrick. Wanted to remind us. B Plunkett 11 sends a link. It's kind of long. And then um, this AI platform floats in the ocean as sovereign nation state with 10,000 NVIDIA H100 GPUs. It's Bitcoin mining controls, question mark. That is interesting. Thank you for sending that along. Mesmerist, John, I've thought for a long time now that you were put into the mega Badlands machine to help guide the process, devolution. Example, you came out of nowhere, then bam, the new badass on the block. No, I do appreciate the compliment of me being some sort of insider, but that is not true. But thank you for the rumble rant. Tam J1116, Cash talks a lot about shrinking the government agencies in his book. He's also brilliant. Has a brilliant plan for the AG DOJ. I think he will be the AG pick. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. He'll be doing something. Yeah, he'll be involved. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll have some role. <clears throat> I'd be more. I, he there was talk of him going to the CIA. I could see him being there too. Whatever agency he goes into, he just needs to blow shit up, metaphorically yeah. speaking. Sunman, 1819. I think the only reason Haley is staying in the race is that she thinks Trump will be assassinated. Well, if enough. Yeah, you, can play, you, <clears throat> you can play the kayfabe game with Haley, although you you typically need Trump to acknowledge her existence in order to have a yeah. true kayfabe. Uh, but she's certainly... Man, that's become, that's become a meme. Did you see her mimetic deployment a couple days ago? How she said... 12 guys down one to go yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like the first response was like are you sure about that yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure well, that's the tweet her social media manager is like new i guess <laughs> and they actually tweeted like all 40 scheduled tweets for the week in a matter of a half an hour <laughs> or something accidentally yeah. yeah ghost in the machine ghost it was so in the funny machine. anyway um that's a lot of guys she took down <laughs> Calm down, and then she cried on stage about her husband when well, she, she's there's like court documents about her cheating on him. It's insane, man. Um, Salt Muncher ODA says three thousand likes. The other eleven k are the FBI guys watching. Hit the <laughs> like, fat boys. Hit that thumb. Hit that thumb and get some angel paste. Texas Jewels. Less... Barbie. They were the ones who probably produced it. Probably for people just like you, man. 
Texas Jewels, less than two months for Gart 4 in Dallas. Who wants to hang out? I know I do. You guys get your tickets. Uh, it's Tony Man. Do you think Benny is controlled or just not very bright? I mean, when he reads anything, he is in dark mode. And when he tries to highlight text, he blacks it out, redacts. I don't know. He was at BuzzFeed. <laughs> he got fired from BuzzFeed for plagiarism. <laughs> Who gets fired from BuzzFeed for plagiarism? And then he just, he's, the, like you saw how he framed that thing earlier. Trump confirms Vivek is on a shortlist. No, Trump just responded Short to us. He's somebody he's else. Just a click, he's just a clickbait artist. He's just yeah, a dude. He's, a he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes a grift is just a grift. It doesn't have to be totally yep. nefarious. It's just, uh, you know, like a, he, he first came across my radar, not even the, really in the political realm. Cause I, I try not to follow clowns, but, uh, was on the YouTube space, the culture war kind of space, movies and some of those guys, Nerdrotic and Critical Drinker. And then Benny Johnson would be showing up and jumping onto streams and pretending he he was into this crap. Um, but he did it like three years too late. For me, like the the social media game, Twitter, like there has now been a an incentive an incentive structure that has been created around clickbait and yeah. It has, there's an entire ecosystem. It's a business model for a lot of these people is to yep. break news with from other people's tweets and these people, and it's not just like the big influencers, like conning people who they have their own little ecosystem of engaging with each other just to get as many likes on tweets and everything that they can. There's even like smaller sides of the mega movement where people will ignore, ignore bad behavior or people who have a long history of no integrity because they had a big account prior to being banned off of Twitter and now they want that engagement. They want they want to share the retweets from everybody because that's what that's what this is about. People there's a lot of people in this who I don't believe are in this for necessarily the right reasons. And, and it, it does it does concern me. This is like a, a concern of mine. We are going to end up in a situation where we trade a bunch of scumbag elites for a bunch of scumbag social media influencers and i don't think that's we're the there. we're there the, yeah we pretty much are but i don't think that that's not the the vision of america i want like i just wish elon would get uh, yeah. that shit under fucking control but man I, I don't think it's something for elon to get under control i think it's for people to have better discernment well that that's a big part of it too like we it's, could that, nip it in the bud right away if everybody called it out but elon musk yeah. could also just like demonetize all these accounts who are stealing posts and and they would stop that behavior that would be like one step small step in the right decision but you're absolutely yeah, right Kyle. well i mean i i love dom lucra getting community noted over and over again i thought that was one of the greatest things and i, I think that that's one way that community notes can be very effective um but it takes a lot of people working together to uh, <clears throat> call out the plagiarism and mm -hmm. and the misinformation. But yeah, it's yeah, you know it's you know there used that. to be a ton of I mean there still are a ton of websites that are just clickbait and they make money off of the ads that are on those websites, right? They want clicks and views to those websites and then they sell the advertisements and all that. And that's how you know, that's the grift. And there's lots of websites like that. But now that has moved to social media where you can get paid by putting up the same type of clickbait content and it's clicks and views there and you get paid 
for ads that appear on your profile or in between your tweets or posts. And I don't think that's going away. And I think there is an aspect of it that is very good. It's good for the content creators to get paid for putting out content. Um, what's bad is the the garbage content getting rewarded. Yeah. Um, Which, but that's up to the consumer to not uh, to not reward garbage content. Yeah. And Speaking if you're not rewarding, if, if people weren't buying this garbage content with their eyeballs and their ears and their clicks, those accounts wouldn't be producing garbage content. Yep. They go out of business. Speaking of clickbait news websites with the ads and everything, Badlands Media is now aggregating news on our website. I will promise you we will never have as many ads on our news stories as Gateway Pundit or anything like that. But good. We right now we have none, zero, at least I believe. I don't think our I don't even know if our AdSense we'll, thing will be approved, but you can we come put, check out our articles. Will we put capitalized, breaking, exclusive, developing, emoji, emoji, emoji? Will we? No. So. No, we don't okay, do good. that. <laughs> uh, by the way, the most breaking, the, the most viral uh, social media post I saw today was saying that the DWAC merger had been completed, and I saw huge accounts retruthing this, and was that it not is true? not correct. No, <laughs> the DWAC... The Dwack merger was the uh, the final hurdle to it was cleared via the SEC seven days ago when this was an actual news story. But a merger is seven months off and isn't set in stone. I think it's going to happen. But I saw big accounts. You know, people get bamboozled into this. But it was some breaking breaking yep. account Dwack merger and that's not correct, right? So it's it's uh, yep happens we've all we've all fallen for it but like you said i mean my my white pill hope for it is that the the sort of era we're moving into it starts to uh authenticity you know chris says a lot authenticity is the currency of the future and you know i do think that there's kind of a sifting process and people they sort of fatigue and graduate out of the benny johnsons of the world eventually you know i think they either kind of defect from the media entirely or they find voices that they feel like have been consistently not correct, but uh, honest about yep. their discernment. Yeah, and that's like that, that's our focus is we just try to like be as authentic as we possibly can, and we believe in the end that's gonna Did, that's gonna pay off. Yeah. But you're right, absolutely. Like everybody has fallen for the clickbait, but not everybody has repeatedly posted the clickbait yes. knowingly. Yeah. No Same answers. people who keep repeatedly doing that. Anyway. I'm not gonna account? name the Oh man. One Dude, one of these but... click one of these clickbait artists that's out there went to went to an FBI building or a courthouse on Monday and then complained that he was being blocked access to it because of the deep state. But it was Monday, President's Day. And he was like, the FBI won't let me in. They're blocking access. <laughs> it, it, it's fucking Monday. Technically, it's, they were blocking it's a holiday. access to everyone, Kyle. It was President's Day. Nobody can get in. <laughs> they were closed. The FBI won't let me in. I'm going to start saying that to just like local diners. Just screaming through the locked door. You're and people fell for it. Access. Who did, can you say who? George Webb. Oh, of course. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's continue. They fear him. The deep state fears. <laughs> How dare they not let me in their building on a federal holiday? 
<laughs> I demand access. Um, oh, where are we at? Texas. Oh, I already did that one. Okay, Salt Muncher ODA. Kyle, Hillary not running demonstrates White Hats already had some measure of control in 2016. Otherwise, why wasn't Hillary the nominee? The plan was eight years, Obama, eight years of Hillary. So why change it? White Hats. I think Kyle agrees with that. I agree with that. I don't know. I think yep. Kyle just learned something for the first time tonight with that rant. Like, I think we've all been saying that. You've never heard that before, have you? A long time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I should have played the Trump video. Hold on. That would have been perfect timing for it. Hey, John, oh, I have a hot take. it's too late. What? I don't think that Trump just walked away in November 2020. <laughs> I think he oh, might no. have done something. You should write a Substack article Salt on it. Muncher, although you set yourself up for that one. Put on a cowboy hat and and write a write an article on that, bro. <laughs> Stone Roller, nice show, gents. Oh, um, Salt Muncher OD8 again says, "I fucked up that last rant. Too toasty." Oh, all right, <laughs> it's Tony Enjoy Man. It, Salt Muncher, stay toasty. <laughs> it's Tony Man says, "Kyle, thanks for breaking down the her reports. Excellent job." My pleasure. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you liked it. I really enjoyed it too. Stone Roller, nice show. I just read that one. Sorry. Trump NATO 4. <laughs> if we can refrain from movie reviews and F1 talk for the next two Wednesdays, I will make a $300 Badlands boost. No, because authenticity, not yeah. dollars, are the currency of the future. And I will authentically be watching and talking about Barbie. I don't know, man. Like, how much next can week. we get John to pay us to talk about F1? true and lord of the rings i mean could we parlay this grip. into a into a, I, a good deal for us why would i ever pay you guys to do that but i just guarantee thank you trump nano for the ten dollars technically you're paying us to do it <laughs> you will you be, didn't plan for this you will very safely keep that 300 dollars because <laughs> i will never tell them what they can and can't say and i'll probably bring it up myself just to make fun of burning bright for Watching Barbie. Never when when I started Badlands, never once did I think, I hope someday somebody does a movie review of Barbie. Was that maybe Network. because Barbie came out in July of 2023, John? And maybe Badlands started in 2022? Hey, man. Unless you knew it was coming out. I'm an insider. a whole right? different set of questions. I'm an insider. I just meant Barbie in general. I never imagined Barbie being discussed necessarily. Whatever, whatever, bro. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it or love to hate it. Whatever. One of the two. Trumpnado, if you feel in two weeks that you want to reward us with a three hundred dollar rand for being authentically ourselves, we would appreciate that. <laughs> but we understand if you can't, man. Earth Garden Living, keep up the movie. Oh, I already did that one. Keep up. No, no, no you didn't. They're keep saying, up the. They're keep up the, the movie review. <laughs> keep up the movie review and F one talk, guys. You are awesome yeah. from every angle. That's it, Excellent. Earth Garden Living. Thank you. I wouldn't say every angle, but thank you. G. Henry, never attempt to move someone off their foundational beliefs without their first without their first have a stronger one to move upon, else they will, will resist to their demise. That was like Shakespeare. I will say a piece of that uh, is, you know, one of the things I often say, going back to that earlier rant about the four kids and how two of them are bad and you don't love them as much. Um, you don't need a psychological combatant to adopt your point of view to be winning a mind war. You just got to get them to question their own. And that part of it is happening. Mm -hmm. So if you do try to red pill your kids or anybody, I think we've all made mistakes of trying to um, 
actively red pill them into liking Trump or MAGA or America first, but there's way more openings to just get them to question their own system. And when they're questioning that, they're eventually going to look for answers. Yep. Spot on. All right, guys, that's all of them. So Sweet. good show, guys. That was fun. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you hit that thumbs up. Cultural Heretics tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Formula Cultural One. Heretics. If- what time? One, 34 minutes. 34 minutes till Formula One. Damn. Have fun Cultural Heretics your- is at 2 p.m. on Thursday. It's where Julian's Rum and I do more culture war type stuff. And uh, it's more fun. It's like everything Benny Johnson does, but not super gay. More Barbie, <laughs> less... <laughs> Less mm-hmm. info war stuff. Yeah. Uh, special guest Benny Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> that I would not allow. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's say goodnight. Kyle, have fun watching your F1 porn throughout the evening. Show. Show. You got your Enjoy. angel face by you? Close at hand. <laughs> yeah. Just a, no comment. A tub. <laughs> I got I got some mints and honey right here. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, yeah. I don't know about that I don't know what you guys are trying to <laughs> you know insinuate here um, I was just thinking about pro- I got some new F1 cars right here got some Ferraris oh my god did you get those in New, new York uh, no I got them today at Walmart because I had to go to Walmart and buy a new drain plug for the bathtub because one of my dogs steals it all the time like this is her really? thing she jumps in the bathtub <laughs> And Hold she on. steals the drain plug, the little rubber stopper in the bathtub, and then makes us chase her to get it back. Well, she did that over the weekend, and nobody has found it. Don't know what she, she did it. with it. We don't know if she ate it, if she They've hit it somewhere. Had a crisis so before I had to go buy new ones. And while I was on my way to the you know plumbing aisle, I stopped by the toy aisle. <laughs> Those are not, that is not on the way. If your Walmart is in any way laid out like every other Walmart in the country, you went out of your way to the toy aisle. Not that out of the way at all. Not not really. Not really. No. Yes, it is. They're all on the west side of the building. And, you know, the plumbing aisle is like this, and the toy aisles are right here next to the outdoor aisle. no. I don't know if I buy it. Yes. I'm, I'm going to going down that aisle no matter someday what. Someday I'm going to visit that Walmart and I'm going <laughs> to video how out of the way that is. But hey, no worries, man. At least you didn't watch it's a pretty, Barbie. It's a, it's a pretty ghetto-ass Walmart, so prepare yourself. Yeah. Well, anyway, have a good night, guys. I don't have, well, I do have an outro video. We'll see you next time. Peace. The amount of trust we can place in, in Kansas is directly proportional to his girth, you know, and, and, and how, how much how much uh you know bow jangles and whatnot he's he's taken.